Welcome to, to the Rotor Revolution. Oh, fail. Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast with Brian Birdsong, Alex Dean, Kenny Hutton, and Nick Wisdom. Welcome to the Rotor Revolution. I'm your host, Nick. With me this week, we've got almost a full crew. We've got uh, Alex and Kenny with me. What's up, fellas? Hey, hey. Good morning. Or evening. Morning. Or noontime, or whenever you're listening to this. Or whenever this is. Happy drive time, or happy shop time. Yeah. Happy, happy time for you. Whatever time it is. Whatever time it is, or place it is you're listening to us, we just appreciate you. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, Thanks we really do appreciate by. all of the listeners. And, and actually, speaking of that, there was a little mini poll in the RC Heli Hangout comparing podcasts today, and uh, we appreciate everybody that voted for our show. It was nice, uh, nice to see. So thanks for those. All right, we're gonna jump into it this week. Brian is uh, is out this week, still uh, dealing with some things at home, but uh, he will be back with us full time in the very near future. So worry not. And with that, I think uh, I think we're gonna get into some weeks. I know many of us have flown. I know I'm super excited to talk about that. But uh, who wants to go first? I can. Right, I Kenny. can. <laughs> Don't have a lot, but might as well. My what story got, is short. Uh, past few weeks, the weather still being what it is in Ohio, back and forth. What is um, it in mid- Ohio in February? The end of end of mid to February twentieth. 60 degrees one day and then 36 the next day. <laughs> That's what it's been. It feel it starts out here in Texas in the 30s and then warms up to 60 or 70. Yeah, we get like fluctuating craziness right now until maybe April or May. Yeah, it got like uh pretty cold again for last week and stuff back and forth and then it snowed a few days and was all freezing cold outside. And then between that and getting home late a few times, you know, where it's right now, you know, how it is the sun's already, if you get out at four or five, you know, to where you can go fly, yeah, you, you only have charge packs. Yeah, it's getting dark. So the sun's in the wrong direction or it's just too hard to make it to a field to get out. But I'd made it, I, I made it out a few times. I've noticed though the days are getting longer. Yeah. I'm just counting that like, it's like minutes per day, but yeah, can't wait till we can go out till eight or nine and still get flights, you know, it'd be awesome. You know, I got, I was able to get out, but it was more just like tuning flights. I didn't have much time. So I was just doing a few packs, two or three packs or fours a couple of times and took the dynamic out and the specter. And it was, um, mainly just tuning the, the head on the dynamic. Uh, I was messing with the head and the tail and I was surprised how much different it, it was compared to when it was a 600. It was, um, like, you know, it was a lot more loose feeling actually, which was surprising. I guess that's the head really? speed difference I'm running now, like super lower head speed versus, you know, over 2,500 or so on the 600 size one. 
So running the same Futaba 760 gyro, the head gains had to go um, up a little bit and increase those and the tail needed work also like a little more pre-comp and stuff like that. I don't know if it's just the longer boom or what the deal was, you know, different tail oh, ratio. So you're saying it felt loose with the same tuning specs that you had. Before. Yeah. I start, I tried to start it out with the same setup and it was quite different feeling. There's way too much cyclic, you know, I had to actually, I ended up turning the, the cyclic ring down from what it was to where it's got less than, I think it's not even seven degrees um, at this point and went from my, collective pitch from 12 and a half and I lowered that down to 11 now and it's still I might go below 11 which is wow. I usually don't have to do this on any model like and it's still crazy so quick for us for us uh, v-bar junkies who know nothing about Futaba when, what is the seven degree mark that you're talking about because I know with v-bar that they have, have us they give it a relative number around you know yeah, people I think do it's eight, eight or nine. nine yeah that's basically the same thing. I had it somewhere in that range and and now I like after flying it had so much cyclic in every direction and pitch. So I was like, I gotta turn this down just to make it feel more normal, even though it's it light, too it fast. just doesn't need it. Yeah. So I turned it down and it's feeling better and better. So I think I'm gonna go just a little bit below what I have it now and it'll be perfect. So on Futaba, does that adjust the overall rate or is that really just the off center response? It's overall, yeah. So it's changing your whole resolution and everything as you lower. You know, you're you're scaling it back and giving your stick more more resolution as you go. You know, yeah. So it actually does. It feels more precise the more you do that. That's why I'm doing that basically to make it feel less pitchy and crazy because you can fly it, but it's not needed. I mean, you can go up and down so crazy fast with this thing that you can turn it back and still fly any way you want to. So what head speed do you awesome. settle on? I'm running low right now. Like my idle ones, what I've been testing everything on, because I know on two, I can just dial everything down just a touch, but maybe 14, 1500, not even oh, close wow. to 2000. And it's still wow. crazy. What, uh, what size and type blades are you running? 700 ultimates right now. I mean, those are slightly pitchy blades too, but I mean, I'm used to those on every other model and it's just totally different on this because it's so light. It's a good thing. I mean, you just need less of everything. Yeah, I like the the disc loading on the 690s. Like a 700 might just have it feel too light in general. I don't know. Yeah, that probably tames it down a touch right there, just adding those because you lose a little bit more, you know, collective. The ultimates are very it. bitey blades if you haven't flown them. Correct, they're very, yeah. They're very, they really dig in. So I could see that on a really light machine. So yeah, it's just feeling a lot better taming it down basically from what I had. It's just different i've never had to turn one down so much but it's it feels great once you get it there you know it's still great it's not that the blades are the problem really they just need to be adjusted differently for the lightweight heli so the other flights i got some on the um specter v2 that i've been messing with the rotor flight 722 flybarless unit and uh pretty much getting it down now to where i can adjust each different setting that it's got and figure that out to where i can make it do what i want to do you know there's so much tuning you can do to it versus a normal one where you slide head gains or tail gains and the other compensations and corrections, you know, and eye gains are all mixed in with that where on here you can do everything you want, you know, the way you want it individually, basically. So it's getting to where now the head feels pretty much solid like anything else. And the tail is really good. Now it's feeling on there, like with Futaba tail, you know, where it's staying oh, yeah. exactly where you, where you put it at. So when you say Futaba tail to me, I think of uh, very, very fast acceleration and stops. You mean like spins where you can stop abruptly and 
Yes. Yeah. So if you're doing, if you're pirouing and you, when you, when you let go, there's not a drift or a nice soft ending to it. It stops abruptly, kind of like simulator where when you quit, it just stops immediately. Is the rotor flight similar to that? It depends on what you do. Like if you go into the advanced setting on the GPB one on the Futaba, there is a, um, under the tail settings, there is a delay. You can actually, uh, you have to go through the manual and find those uh, expert settings, but there is a delay setting where you can change left and right. So when you let off the stick, it doesn't stop abruptly. You just have it, it comes to a a soft stop each way. So mine are mainly set up that way right now. I know what you're talking about though. If you just set up the tail with gain on Futaba, it does stop pretty snappy. Oh man, it's, it's very, I like that feel. But you can gain, you can you can tune that out, which I've done to some of mine, where it actually you can just let the stick anytime go, and it'll just it'll take like a two or three degree slowdown before it stops, and that's what I've done. Why with would the rotor you prefer that too. over a, a sharp stop? It just uh, makes it feel a little better. You, you can actually judge when, like in the air, you're going to stop at like what direction. If you're just wanting to, you know, I'll do like spins and then stop and spin the other way and stop and try to stop in the same yeah. position, and you can predict it a lot better when you have that softer ending to it. If that makes sense. It does, but I haven't I haven't played with it enough. I'm only familiar with I mean the experience that I have is I had uh, a raw seven hundred that Ben Storick had set up for me on Futaba and that tail was very sharp and stopped, I mean, immediately. And I liked yeah. it. So it was it was I, probably just set on the standard settings, main settings, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just curious as to if you change that, does one feel more natural than the other? Yeah, I think the soft stop feels better. And it's probably, I don't know, you know, on a belted helicopter, you don't have any issue with stripping gears or anything, but it's more, it's softer on the helicopter it's too. Like you can it. see it. Yeah. Yeah. You could actually set up where it goes really so. Like you could spin as fast as you want, let off the stick, and it's going to come to a, a really soft stop. You'll see it actually slow down and then pause instead like of an just eighth slamming. Of a spin or something. Or yeah. More than basically. that, even. Yeah. Yeah. You just increase the delay or the, it's, there's a different setting on rotor flight, but it's the same thing. It's called stop gain and you turn left or right, up or down, which will give you a harder or softer stop. I think Icon has the same kind of setting in it too. That's what's kind of nice about these other gyros. If you're beyond just using a few sliders, you go into the main, you know, the expert menus and you can actually do a lot of stuff. You just have to look at the helicopter and know what's going on that you don't like or you want to change and then go in there and, you know, read what step you need to do or which setting, you know, under the guides would help you get to that point, you know? I feel like. Yeah, that's really cool. The tunability is really cool. And we enjoy as hobbyists tinkering and programming and enjoying that aspect of things. I also feel like it can be a rabbit hole and prohibit you from continuing to progress in your flying because you're constantly changing the way it behaves. That too. Yeah, that's why I'm just using on a helicopter I'm familiar with. And I fly my other ones as they are. And I use this one more of a test bed of what can I do with this setting or that setting to make it feel, you know, just to see what limits the unit has for different angles and different feels of the flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. That's no, a good way to learn cool a lot about a flight. It's really cool you're playing with that. I mean, everybody really should have one set up that way. If you, you have multiple helicopters, there's no reason not to. Even if you're just lazy and don't want to tinker with settings, it's not a bad thing to get into one of these and just not, not a necessary rotor flight, but anything uh, with an advanced type of menu where you can go in and tinker around and just kind of learn things. And it kind of helps you with other units you might use in the future or just flight characteristics in general, you know? 
I was just going to say, I would argue that you don't necessarily have to do that if you have a friend that does that and then you leverage them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that too. I like having a, like having people who are really good at tuning because my brain doesn't work that well, super well. It, it, like, I don't know, or maybe my flying skill isn't enough, but I, I love leveraging folks like you who really dig into these things and I can learn a lot from them. So I'm glad there are folks the like you who really is- dig into this stuff. Like biggest things don't do a normal flight. You know, when you're tuning, you only want to do just like textbook things like up, down, left, right, you know, do tilting on a side, like, like a TikTok, but not a fast one. You want to see if it's pausing and not shaking the cyclic, you know, things like that, that you can notice, even if you're not, you know, super experienced stuff that you're going to see out of that's out of a place. You know what I mean? Like obviously like, well, it's doing something when I tilt it on its side, or if I do an elevator, you know, straight up and down TikTok, now the elevators, you know, the tail's bouncing forward and backwards. It's got like elevator bobble, things like that. You can obviously see and then adjust up or down one way or the other to correct it. And maybe you'll see a difference. And it's kind of a a thing that gives you satisfaction of learning. Like, well, now I've learned this, maybe I can try this setting next. And it does, it, it makes you progress in learning tuning basically, you know? So I had the same experience today. There was someone uh, who had a new RS4 Venom that they wanted I, I am I feel like end up maidening and or tuning a lot of things for people and what I like to do is so that you can see what, what you're talking about happening is I like to turn the main gains down low and then you can do the maneuver that you like to test things with slower and see what's happening and you can change pre-comps or other things without having the thing moving so freaking fast and you have the opportunity to kind of tinker with it that way in the advanced menus that's kind of what I'm doing. I use like a lower head speed slightly, yeah. you know, 13 to 1600 range. That way you can be more familiar with it. And if it's bobbling at a low head speed, you know, when you give it idle two or more RPM, it's, it's going to be bobble. a little more solid with even those same numbers just because of yeah. the higher RPM where you can tune that easily. You, if you have this base numbers on the low RPM, it's only a slight bit difference with a higher RPM. Well, I'm interested in the rotor flight thing. I haven't messed with it enough or at all. Um, but it would be something I would like to give a shot. At and only sometime. tune one item at a time. You don't want to, you know, you see three things, don't tune three things, you know, only right. tune the elevator bubble or the cyclic bubble or the tail, tail bounce or wag. If you do too many things, you can't see what's going on, you know? So for, since there are so many people that use the V control system and the V bar system, I think people are going to be more familiar with the pre-comps that are available there. You've got like your elevator pre-comp on the head. And sometimes people will think that that, that there's a tail bobble going on, but it's actually happening from the pre-comp on the head or something like that, where the elevator's moving up and down. Are you are you tuning the same thing with rotor flight? Is it similar or is it something totally different than what we're used to seeing with V-Bar? It has the same kind of settings in that sense. Yeah, it has cyclic pre-comp and pitch pre-comp, elevator, and then tail both directions. It's all the same kind of thing, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was some... It, it because I've never I've never played with it. It's a mystery to me, and I didn't. I wanted to clarify: is that a, is it really this mystery thing, or is it pretty obvious? Also, it is. It's it looks more technical because you have more options. But when you read them and they're explained on there, it's not too complex. It's more just pay attention to what you're doing, kind of thing, you know, and only do one at a time, so you can actually, you know, determine if it's made a improvement or not. You know, yeah. I need to download the software and just see what it looks like. I love that you're working on this because it is a really affordable way to get into this also 
without having to buy into some expensive ecosystem. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You can also go to Rotor Flight's uh, page and there is a tutorials uh, tab and you can go through and see all the different steps. And it kind of explains most of the standard uh, adjustments and features on there too. So you can kind of get so their website is rotorflight.org. If you're wanting I to see believe that. so. Yeah. And it's also, yeah. I think you might have to just look at the tabs, but you should be able to find the tutorials and walkthroughs. There's a walkthrough section also that shows you stuff like for oh, okay. setting up the receiver and setting up the head and the tail and your flight modes, all that kind of stuff is listed in there. And you just got to go through that stuff before you attempt to really dig into it. Okay. Well, I would love to play with it. Uh, fortunately people like you and, uh, Scott and Diego are doing this for us. So. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to end up with some combination of two of those people uh, to talk about it at some point once you guys all get more time on it. Nice. I think that's about it for my weeks, just uh, playing both of those. Your weeks is. All right. Weeks is. All right. I'm going to jump in then because I'm stupid excited because my life was all about work for a long time at the beginning of this year. And I finally got out for two solid days of flying uh, since we recorded last. And the first one was super fun. So uh, I'm in San Diego this week, but I was in Orlando uh, last week. And I had, two cons- <laughs> I had two consecutive jobs in Orlando. And while I was in Orlando, uh, I did two things. I had the Goose Guy RS4 kit with me because I knew I was going to be there for two weeks. And I'm like, oh, I'll build the kit in my hotel room. It'll be fun. And it's small and portable and easy to deal with once I build it. Uh, so I got that built, and that was a pleasure to build and set up. It was super easy. And I think that's where we left off on the last show, uh, was that it was ready to go. But while I was there, my second job pushed back a day, which meant I had a day off in Orlando. So I'm like, what do you do with a Thursday off in Orlando when you've just built a helicopter? I'm like, you go to Torches. I'm like, okay, who can fly on a Thursday in Orlando? So I hit up Steve Shaw, being a retired gentleman. Uh, and he was like, heck yeah, there's actually a bunch of us flying on Thursday. I guess that's kind of their midweek, uh, day that a lot of the guys can go fly. So shouts out to Steve Shaw, who was not only just such a gentleman for making sure I could get into the club and all of that, but for actually picking me up at my hotel in the morning and driving me over to the field. Uh, so thank you, Steve, for that. That was awesome of you. Uh, so I got the torches. That's That's cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And I talked to Patrick Mock as well. And just made sure there'd be guys there and they were all super generous. So like, hey, you can use my generator, like whatever you need, uh, we'll hook you up. So uh, all I had with me was the RS4 Venom that I had just finished building. So anyway, went to Torches. Uh, I was also talking with uh, Sean Hall uh, earlier that week. And he was like, huh, I'm, you know, got some time this week. Uh, And he decided he was going to drive down to Orlando as well. So he came down. So we all met up on the field Thursday morning. uh, And what? ended up happening which was amazing i thought it was just going to be three or four of us at the field is we had a little mini fun fly at torches uh in all at one point during the day there were 16 helicopter guys at torches on a thursday uh i was watching all this happening like on the hangout it was cool (laughs) it was so much fun uh uh just there were so many great guys there you know morgan shaw and patrick and steve and other patrick and uh, God, I'm missing names. Uh, Manny Nino was there. Uh, Bert was there all day, came out and flew, which was awesome. Spent a ton of time talking with Bert. 
and it was coincidentally the day that BK Hobbies announced they'd be selling Tron, which we'll talk about in the news. So Bert was there with the Tron Advance as well as a Tron Dynamic and was throwing down some great flights on those. That was really fun to watch him just, you know, hanging out with the boys and flying on a Thursday. Morgan was doing flying great. Like Manny was flying great. So and then my RS4 Maiden went great. Uh, no issues there. Flew great right out of the gate. You know, I'd heard some folks saying that there's sometimes a tail wag that takes a few flights to go away and to not worry about it. But I didn't have any issues. Just flew, you know, a couple of minor tail gain tuning things and odds and ends. And it was flying great. Uh, so I think I only got in about six, seven, eight flights on the RS4. But I was just having too much fun chatting, just talking with Bert, Manny, Morgan, Sean, just everybody, Steve Shaw. It was just like a little miniature fun fly. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably talking in circles. I'm sure I said that like four times, but uh, I'm impressed you had just, no problems with great. the Venom shaking. Uh, the one that I flew today had a wag and it was it was hard to get it out. And the tail was the con- the, the linkages and everything were very smooth. So cool what was on it for flybarless i mean uh, i had a neo the only flight Actually, controller a neo out there evo or a neo <laughs> 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 i'm trying to i might have actually no i put a regular neo on it in the end because uh, i didn't want to burn a neo an evo on a small heli like that so um i brought both with me because i couldn't decide what to put on it but i think i put a regular neo on it uh in the end so um and conveniently since sean drove down to orlando it was great i just gave him the venom after the day of flying and said drive this back to atlanta for me please thank you Oh, nice um so that was handy (laughs) uh so just i don't know i can't emphasize enough that it was just a ball the hospitality of the guys at torches was amazing they were all just fabulous to hang out with shoot the shit with just just a just a great day beautiful weather i mean it was a little overcast but it was still in the 60s and beautiful Uh, So huge thanks to Torches. I got to say, there was a moment when there were 16 people there Thursday at two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, this is what a thriving helicopter looks like. This is awesome. Yeah. So that was awesome. So I finished that. And then I popped home for a couple of days uh, after that second job in Orlando. And my Goose Guy RS7 box was there. So I opened the outer box and that's as far as I got on the RS7. So that's sitting there waiting for me at home. Uh, I know I said I was thinking about canceling the Goose Guy RS7 order to kind of see what Tron's coming out with at Rotor Live, but it kind of shipped before I got around to canceling it, and I think I'm kind of excited about it now, so I'm, I'm definitely going to build it. Uh, I want to do some content stuff on it. Uh, we've had a ton of requests at HeliDirect for more setup videos, so I think I might do a setup-focused video on that helicopter. So everything I do from ESC setup to you know setting up pitch and just a basic VBAR Neo setup video. Uh, with ESC setups and stuff. Uh, so that's in the pipe. Uh, God, I've got a lot going on since. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk way too much here. So got the Goose Guy RS7. While I was home, I finished a couple random little fixes on my 580 Nitro so that that was ready to re-maiden after I had a minor issue with it last time I flew. Uh, I swapped out the tank on it. I put a new... Uh, Put a new grommet on it and replaced the clunk line and some other odds and ends. Um, basically just built a whole new tank and then swapped it out with the existing one because it was leaking fuel before. So I was like, eh, I'll just replace everything and then I'll go back and fix the other one and then I'll have a spare, uh, was my thinking. So somehow in all of that, I also sold my raw airframe. Uh, I don't really know what that happened, oh. but um, wow, somebody, somebody was looking for one and I said yes and that deal fell through and then another club member said, hey, I'll buy it. Uh, so 
I'm a little sad. That's the Stormtrooper Raw that has a special place in my heart. Uh, but with the Goose Guy, I'm trying to like stay helicopter neutral in terms of uh, you know how many how many ones that come in. So uh, I was like, all right, you got to stick to what you said. So I'm going to let the Raw go. Move the electronics over to the Goose Guy RS7. That's the other reason I decided to keep the kit. So all of that. All right, then there's more. So I got to fly. Well, wait, wait, Friday. that's my that's my place. But wait, there's more. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Kenny here. I should have let someone else talk, and then I said, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so Friday of last week, I got to fly on one of the two days I was home. It's funny. Thursday, I did so many honeydews because I was like, I need to make the space to like go fly on Friday without getting in trouble. So uh, <laughs> got a ton of stuff done on Thursday. Once fly Friday, I brought out both nitros and the dynamic with the hopes of getting both of my nitros figured out. Uh, the raw 700 nitro flew great. Got uh, two flights on that one. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that it was holding its tune, that nothing was weird. And that was great. So I got two flights in there and then put it away. Uh, I've got to sort of richen it up a little now that the temperatures are coming up. You, the back plate was kind of a little hot on that one, but no big deal there. Uh, but then I flew the dynamic, which is flying amazing. I so love that helicopter. Uh, I flew that first Still flight dis- of the day. I dislike f- these. I dislike these dynamic, oh, dude, wonderfulness. That's dynamic. It's not for, for me personally. At fifteen hundred RPM on the first flight of the day, it's so relaxing. It's so not oh, nerve wracking. It's just smooth and fun, and it's seven and a half minutes of warming up, and it's fabulous, and I love it. I don't. I don't need another uh, helicopter. And and then the next flight, you you know, you kick it up a notch to seventeen fifty, which is generally the highest I fly it. I'll fly it at two thousand for a second, but it's it's just too much for me. I don't need that. Uh, at seventeen fifty, it's awesome, and it does. I mean, it does everything at fifteen hundred? Does it all at seventeen fifty? It's just such a great heli. It it puts a huge smile on my face, and the pink and blue scheme shows up really well, even on a blue sky. Uh, no issue seeing it at all. So Man, I, I really good. hated that scheme when you showed it to me, and the more I see it, the more I go, I think I want that. It's going to be available soon. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's cool. You could get one. I like your uh, weeks and of then, <laughs> And then uh, the day took a little bit of a turn. So everything's going great. I'm like, all right, on to the 580 Nitro. My goal was to just feel good about both Nitros. So the last time I had that one out, it died on me during... Um, what the heck? Why? You ever like can't remember like a very basic term? What do you call it when you just give full positive pitch and let it climb out for a while? I don't know. Climb out. Just doing climb a climb out. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, so last time I flew it, very early in the flight on a cold day, I went to do a climb out and it died like 15 feet off the ground uh, because I think I just hadn't let it warm up and it was mad at me. So that was a minor crash there, just broke skids. So replace those. So this time I let it warm up for a while and I'm flying it around. And it's feeling great, and it's got tons of power, and I'm like, okay, I think I got it. I think it was it's your happy. new favorite helicopter, better than a dynamic, and I don't need to buy one of those. Cool. Uh, it was my new favorite Nitro, but it was not better than the dynamic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I start like gingerly doing some moves, like consecutive backflips is kind of how I test a Nitro. Like if I can sustain good power through consecutive backflips, like I'm feeling good about it, and then I can let rip. So that goes well. I'm like, all right, now you can open up on it. And I start doing some backwards loops and I get to the top of a backwards loop. So it's inverted tail facing towards me and the engine dies. And I'm only like 20 feet off the ground. 
I'm like, oh, oh shit. So, so it's drifting towards you. So there's that problem. Uh, it's upside down. So there's that problem. Uh, so I don't even remember how I got it upright. I think I rolled it upright. I don't really know. I might have finished the loop. I, I don't know. But I remember getting it upright and giving full negative pitch to try and get some RPM in the blades. But it just never happened. So within it's like within three feet of the ground, I start feathering in positive pitch to slow it down. And I just don't have enough RPM. And it goes thwack, just pancakes into the deck hard. Uh, it obliterated the skids, the bottom of the lower frames where they bolt into the skids cracked on both sides so both lower frames skids and i got the boom and that was it everything else seems fine so uh <sighs> so you know my saga with the 580 nitro continues I, what is it with us like i have problems with the skids and the engine dying you have problems with the one ways i don't know uh i don't know what you're talking about i've i've forgotten about all one-way bearings they don't <laughs> exist the good nitro days black that out <laughs> yeah but I, I kind of diagnosed it at the field and uh, ordered the parts while I was still at the field. Got the shipping notification before uh -huh. I even left the field. Oh, and, nice. Uh, the parts are sitting. I go home tomorrow from this job and uh, the parts are sitting there waiting for me. So hope to get the 580 back in the air soon. Uh, That's I've like my job. I'm usually ordering parts as I'm going in, like as it's yes. on the way to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ordered parts like that at, what, at one of the planker fields and they were all... All the plankers are standing around like, this guy's ordering parts at the field. Like it was some crazy thing. And I'm like, that's because it's a helicopter and you can fix it. I'm like, no, I'm like, I know I leave town. And if I order right now, all the parts will be here when I get back. So uh, they're on the way to sense. the hobby shop to get the epoxy and look like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all glued together with sticks. I need my foam safe. Yeah. CA. I know. They're like, can I borrow your generator from the hot glue gun? Um, uh -huh. And put the wings back on. Uh, <laughs> anyway. And, and then you they know go what? out and the landing gear folds and they do it again. <laughs> I was a little bit sad about the 580 Nitro, but you know how I fixed that? I flew the dynamics some more and then I felt <laughs> Oh fantastic. no, don't do that to me. Oh no. <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> oh, and then I had to go home, but I went home with a huge smile on my face. I couldn't have cared less about the little Nitro crash. Uh, Blade survived, so that was good. Um, and uh, yeah. Parts are on the way, like I said, but that's it for me, man. I was just really excited to get two really great days of flying, uh, flying with the Orlando crew, flying with uh, Thomas Mabry here in the Atlanta area. Got to hang out with him for the day. It was great. Um, so, yeah, that's me. I felt uh, really reconnected to the hobby after those two days. It was great. Alex, what about you, man? I could go on on dynamic Nirvana all week long because you should get one. But uh, other than ordering a dynamic, what have you been up to? I don't know. I can't hear you, Nick. You're going to have to say it again. Um, hey, uh, you, know, you know how to tell if you're an RC helicopter addict? You own a dynamic? <laughs> no, it's because your thumbs hurt because you've been flying too much and your fingers are getting poked by little sticks. Oh, that's weird to say. Your fingers are getting poked and they have little calluses on them like you're some guitar player who practices too much or something. Alex Dean Namick. <laughs> <laughs> stop <laughs> uh, i have um i've still been flying uh i mean two days a week three days a week um uh, and sometimes when i say that since the weather's been getting better it's just for like an hour like i'll i'll, st I'll stop by like and get a, a, a couple of flights in but one of the days that i got out it was super overcast and another one of the days it was pretty windy and for 
if you're listening and you are afraid to fly in the wind, which is a thing, even if you're into helicopters and you know that helicopters can handle the wind, or a lot of people don't like flying when it's overcast because you don't have the view of the helicopter that you do when it's full sun. If, if you really go out and you just do it and you get four or five, six flights in, you really get used to it. Uh, and I, I, it was kind of nice to get into that routine where I didn't re- depend on it being perfect out to get those flights in. So the overcast days to me are the worst. You cannot see it as well as you would like to. But again, I was out there and I got quite a few in and it was good. So uh, I had just cleaning, you know, I talked in the past, I'd cleaned up my room and I was enjoying how clean it was, but I've been working on this Tron 7 gas conversion and I have got it built. It looks, it looks freaking awesome. The motor's real high up in the frame and lines right up with the boom, the, the muffler does. So I'm excited about it. I did get it out to try and maiden it. Uh, and I had not any problems really with the build, but, uh, I just wasn't getting the head speed I wanted. So I have reached out to Carrie, and we're working on trying to get, uh, the head speed working properly, properly. Yeah. That thing looked pretty cool. Yeah. It does look great. And everything. Um, And you've got like the first production kit, like you have it to test. This isn't the final, you know, kit in your hands. Yeah, this is, this is kind of a, this is supposed to be the first run of actually everything's finished. So. There's just there's there's one little thing I think that's going to need to be changed as far as the gearing goes. Uh, I'm working on that with Carrie, so hopefully that will be out soon. Uh, I did get it in the air, but I only had about I don't know what the head speed was because I think the gear ratio is a little off, so I didn't have a lot of collective and cyclic control. But everything seems good, so I'm excited about it. Cool. I'm also excited to finish that up and have my room back to being moderately clean and not the disaster that is plastic bags for me in different boxes laying around on the floor maybe or uh just pieces of cardboard and stuff like that laying around that makes it not as fun for me to be in a clean room so i uh i also i I bought something what was it a dynamic i got ag01 gimbaled into buying something i bought i bought an os91 speed I knew yes. it. Oh, there, there I go. called it. I called it in the last episode. <laughs> you and totally I even called said us it, out. And that's why I said that. Yeah, you did. So I, I ordered one. D- I deserve nice. a prize for not ordering one yet. Yeah. So I might not have a dynamic coming, but I do plan on building. I do that's plan the, on uh, building an, a ninety, the Tron ninety. That'll be a ninety size. Yep. So I'm excited about that. I talked to a few other people who all uh, mimicked what Kenny had to say, which was, it's smoother, and that translates into better flying. And you don't really notice that there's a power difference, other than it eats less fuel and is smoother. So I'm excited to get it in, and I'm excited to play with it. Should be great. I I hope they ship in March sometime soon. We'll see what happens. I think it's supposed to be sometime after the Chinese New Year, which is wrapping up now, so... I also bought something else. Ooh. Nitro 90. Uh, dynamic. No. I don't, I don't have Try number two. yet. <laughs> I, uh, so since I, I ordered and enjoyed building this uh, Tron gasser, I, blo- I, I ordered a, an advance electric to build. As an oh, you awesome. did. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I have a Kraken that I'm just not flying. And it's, it's the USA edition Kraken that is 
I think there's like two of them out there because it was one of those things where I'd emailed SAB and said, I want a USA edition Kraken. And uh, I know there's a guy in Abilene who has one in Texas and he got it from me. And after he, because I never built it, I, I ordered this thing. It sat in a box for over a year and he saw it. And uh, yeah, so oh, Kenny has a funny saying. I'm saying essay bye to my cracker. Kraken, cracker, Kraken, (laughs) my USA Kraken. A lot of people uh, are on that movement. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to be taking the electronics out of that and putting it in my, the new Advance 7, not dynamic that I'm building. Nice. Nice. I will probably, I'm probably, I don't know what I'm going to do with that airframe. I love that airframe. I don't know how much that airframe is worth. It was really kind of an expensive kit because I custom ordered it from SAB. It would look really cool hanging upside down on my ceiling, but I might put it up for sale. So I haven't decided what I'm gonna do with that. I could use the funds to maybe buy dynamic. And uh, yeah, so. I think I just heard something slip out there. No, I, I said nothing I, I about buying too. a dynamic after I sell this airframe. Yeah. So well, I, just, I feel like this, this is a trend where a lot of us, me included, who were like accidental SAB fanboys, meaning we didn't really mean to have a whole fleet that was just SABs. It just kind of happened. It just happened. Are slowly like mingling fleets now and they're becoming like hybrid SAB Tron fleets. Sure, but there is also a plethora of different 700s out and there used to only be three to four brands. Maybe four. Maybe really three. Yeah. There's a lot of selection now. 10 or 11 700s right now. I feel like so this new plethora of machines that's available makes me feel like the hobby's growing. But I don't know if that's an artificial feeling from there's a lot of model selection. Is there enough people the selection? Is growing or the hobby? That's what I'm yeah. still wondering. Yeah. I would love to think that more people are buying and so there's more kits available. I hope that's the case. I hope that we're not diluting how the other companies are doing who have great kids. The good thing that could come out of it is that the people that end up with too many are selling certain ones and they go handed down to people who are getting into the hobby or getting, you know, building their fleet up. So it kind of expands the Mm -hmm. hobby in a good way, either way. That's for sure. I sold my 420 to a a, a guy that here that was getting into it. And it wasn't really that it was for sale. It was that he was around and I had this thing and, it was a great and way the to discounted get discounted used heli might be the gateway drug, you know, to get them. Yeah, the that's what that I was thinking. Need. Yeah, that was the, so I, I had that helicopter and I wasn't flying it, but I was saving it for my son, hoping he would fly. And I got him out and buddy box with him. So oh, nice. I'd been, t- I'd, I'd been like building it up for him. Hey, look, this is, you want to hold this thing, like physically touch it because over the past year, I've been begging him to fly the sim. I fly the sim all the time. He comes in and sees me flying, and I'm like, hey, you want to do this? And he's, no, not really. No, not really. I ask him all the time, please do this, or do you want to? But so if you're trying to get a kid into the hobby, I th- I really, I, I don't know that you can beg them to get addicted to flying on the sim and learning on there. We, I, when I took him out to fly uh, last week, I had the 500 with me and I also brought my 580 nitro or 600 nitro or whatever size. I don't even know what size to call that thing. And he, he, we got out there to fly and he, he just loved it. We probably did six flights and I just kind of gave him the sticks and was just holding on for dear life. He's 10 
And I had kind of gone over the safety with him about how you, you, you really can't get it back over your head or something like that. It's just not safe. And he understood that concept. And if he got it too far away, I would explain you can't see it anymore. I think he could see it, but I couldn't see it anymore because he acted like it was fine and it was really far away. He's going to be a um, new spotter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was able to get it and uh, do those those back and forth flights where you you go down to the left maybe and you pull up and do like a stall turn and come back and go the other way. Wow. I thought that was really exciting. That is I was exciting. Like jumping That's up way more down. than just hovering. It was way more than hovering. Yeah, I, I sure. worry about my kid like burying the sticks in the corners out of like excitement. Like what happens when I just jam both sticks in opposite corners? Did he do any of that or was he very ha- like think, respectful no. small movement? He he didn't have any he did not do that. But what I did have had him do in the past is I have he has a small helicopter, right? I have the blade MSR and I had bought him that coaxial one for Christmas. So he kind of had some experience flying that around the house and I had him get on the sim and get that out of his system of just Kids these days are like watching these videos of um, video game car crashes for hours. I don't understand personally why you would sit around and watch this for hours. So when he got on the sim, he enjoyed just crashing it and laughing. Oh, the it made this noise. I was like, it's a simulated noise. Why is, why is that cool? It wasn't. Yeah. So um, I think he kind of got that out of his system, at least on the sim. So... I recommend having fly a toy helicopter around the house. At least force them to do a little bit of the sim to get so that they see what happens when you bury the sticks. And then I explained to him this was an expensive thing. If it crashed, this is how much it's going to cost. And so he kind of had some respect for it at that point. Also with the V-Control, the buddy box functions are really amazing. If you haven't messed with it that much, uh, you, you, you don't just have to give them a buddy box and say, I'm on a switch. You can give them just one stick. So there was another new guy out at our field who hadn't flown. He like brought up old Align 500 that had a, a B stacks on it and it had so much dust on it. I was like, have you flown that in a while? And he goes, no, I haven't flown in probably, you know, 12 years. And I went, well, wh- why don't you buddy box with me first on my own machine? And then if you want to put your own up, you can. And so I had him just on that one stick and he had a really hard time just hovering. So that was a good experience so that I didn't have him come out and crash his machine that he was afraid of already and hadn't been flying because he was scared of it before he heard about us flying. That's cool. But yeah, so there's a lot of functionality there that if you're wanting to get people into this, I, I talked to Greg Ringle on the Maximum Collective podcast and they have been growing their club by... People who see it and stop by, Greg just puts them immediately on his raw 800. He puts it up. He only gives them the cyclic stick and he controls the collective in the tail and talks them through what to do. So they get the feel of what it's really like to do. And these kids all end up, or these guys or whoever all end up coming back with like an S2 or something like that to the field. And he's teaching them how to fly. They have like four new members from this. So wow, pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. So uh, last thing I want to talk about is this tron dynamic problem that you guys have oh it's not a problem it's a solution i talked a friend of mine into buying one so <laughs> i'm gonna get to fly it <laughs> <laughs> yes, <flight. laughs> he uh he called me up and goes hey I'm, I'm wanting to build a lightweight 700 should i get a puma or a dynamic and, dynamic uh, yeah we chose dynamic and i pretty much made and tune his stuff so i'll get the chance to to mess with it so i'm excited about that his should be That's arriving awesome. this week 
you guys should know the lengths we go to bug Alex about a dynamic. So when I was in Orlando, I was like, Bert, let's make a video convincing Alex to buy a dynamic. So we did that and sent it to Alex. <laughs> I was sending him clips of Bert That's flying funny. his dynamic. I was like, this thing's awesome. Oh, yeah, he kept going. Oh, yeah. He, he goes, he goes, Bert just put on a school about how to fly with the dynamic. And I was like, you're, you're annoying. And I'm also jealous that I'm not there. <laughs> Bert did this amazing flight on the dynamic. Seriously, that was just doing pirouetting loops. And I don't know, he seemed really comfortable with that thing. And it was like badass moves, but in slightly slower motion. Uh, I don't know. It was a really enjoyable flight to watch. Well, I'm excited to experience this. I hope that it doesn't cost me a lot. But the issue that I really have with it is not building the machine itself. All of my 6S 5000s are in stick packs form. They're not individual packs that are wrapped or anything. They're either pulse packs or uh, Maniacs packs that I bought. It's kind of how I was. Minor. I didn't have any 5000, so I did 12 cell because I already had my Heritage 5.8 set up as a 12 cell 3300. I just used two single 3300s and made a pack, like mm-hmm. a couple packs like that. Oh, I've got 6S 5500s and 5600s for mine. Oh, I like the 5500 idea. I also like the idea of making it 7 or 8S, but we'll see. 6S 10,000 would also be ridiculous. Joachim at Tron will tell you 7S is the way to go. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he says 7S is the sweet spot. Well, this one's going to be 6S 5000 that my buddy's building, so I'll try it out on that and see how it feels. That's what I like, so. On 690s. All right. Anything else, Alex? I think that's it. I, I don't know if y'all noticed, but it but it it looks like somebody kind of snuck in on us. I think uh I see that. We may have a fourth guest host who's just joined us, uh, that we're excited about. In fact, we're gonna turn him into the main topic because we got some fun stuff to talk to him about because he's been busy with some new endeavors. But uh Mr. Scott Graham, welcome, uh welcome back to the show. Woo! I am very, very sneaky, sir. <laughs> like a ninja we've we even told him we were recording yesterday and he still showed up today <laughs> yeah i got the days wrong scott yeah Not welcome much. scott how are you guys good to see here you We're good man yeah totally good to see here you yeah i'm glad you guys had me on thank you yeah so we've got some fun stuff to talk about in a little bit but is there anything you've been up to you want to share uh not related to that Sure. I mean, everything I've been doing is kind of related to that, but, um, I mean, I've got some good flying in, I've been hitting the field about every week, which has been great. Um, I managed to get the wife onto her own kind of hobby. So that buys me time. I just take my son to the field and wait, 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 what hobby, what hobby? Yeah. What hobby? She snowboards now. That's like her thing. Oh, wow. So she drives like two hours up to the mountains. She's gone all day. Then two hours back home. Meanwhile, me and Cade just go to the flying field and go fly all day. Huh. Guilt free. You don't worry about some kind of snow bunny romance thing happening on the on the slopes while you're not there? Oh, that'd be great. And then she's gone and I'll just fly. <laughs> oh my God. And, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, the, dude, I would have I would struggle with I also enjoy um those activities and it, it'd be tough for me not to want to be going to do that too. But I guess you need someone to watch the kids, so this works out naturally. Exactly. I do sometimes go with her. We got we got Kate a little snowboard and I've got a snowboard and we we sometimes go together. But last weekend I had the talk. I was like, look, the whole point of this endeavor is so you have your hobby and then I can do my things. 
So I reminded her that, yes, we can do it occasionally as a family, but most of the time she's got to go do her own thing and have her her fun. It, it might have been just cheaper to buy her jewelry every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> need a new pair of shoes. Hey, honey, I'm going flying. You can buy a pair of shoes today. That doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, here's my car. Just set yeah. a limit on it. <laughs> yeah. That's a great oh, idea. Terrible. You go shopping, here's my card, and just turn it yeah. off when you leave. Yeah. It just be, it just be a shock after she got to the store, and by then oh. you would have a, have had enough time to go. I'm good. I can come home oh, now for sure. And then when yeah. she gets home, this you go. Oh, terrible. they must have like triggered it for fraud and turned it off. Let me <laughs> let me go call them. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to apologize to our one female listener at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, my wife never listens to this. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, been hanging out with um, my buddy John Titus and Jeff Anderson at the field, flying tons of time in Winston-Salem. I've been neglecting my Charlotte field like crazy. I haven't been there in like a year. How often have you been <laughs> getting out flying lately? Yeah. yeah, I'm so stoked to be out flying. A good amount. How often are like you doing it? Mini Alex. Oh, I like that. Except <laughs> you're much taller than me. So that'd be weird. So like eight days a week? <laughs> eight days a week. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. I'm so jealous with how much Alex flies. It's been ridiculous. We, we all are yeah. lately. But I'm going to outdo you this weekend. I'm so stoked for RCHO. I took a bunch of days oh, off work man. that I shouldn't have. That's I'm cool. basically, tomorrow's the last day I work until Tuesday of next week. I took Thursday through Monday off just to go wow. sit and veg RCHO and destroy How many those. helicopters are you bringing with you? Two. Is Jay Trebway going to talk you into the ground day one? Probably. That's what Thursdays are for. <laughs> Scott's going to have like one more shower than uh, Keith Williams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You just need to tell Jay he's only allowed one. That's it. One. You can talk yeah, one of them. One in good recap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Have that's fun exciting. at RCHM, I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to see all the videos that come out of that. Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be a hoot. But that's it. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the major perks of RCHO only really having two flight stations is that there's a lot of people who aren't flying, so they're streaming, which is great. So you get to watch lots of videos. So you're bringing one dynamic and one nitro, or are they, you bring in two dynamics? So I can probably, if I have enough time tomorrow, I can hook up another dynamic to another radio system. Because I'm doing this whole musical chair fly bar list system. Oh yeah, we'll get in, we're going to get into that. Yeah, into so that. I do have enough of the current unit I'm testing to put it on all three, which I might do, but... I also feel like if I do that and I really like how they fly, it's going to be really hard to pull it off one of them again. Yeah, you I need one to stay rotating on a system that may or may not stay. Got to finish the, you have to finish the whole thing. Well, cool. Well, we got lots more good stuff to talk to you about uh, that we're going to save, but uh, just a little bit of news this week. We're kind of in that lull where uh, we're pre-rotor live, so all the announcements kind of crawl to a halt until we get to the show so uh let's let's knock out a little bit of news here and then uh we'll come back and uh talk with scott more and now with all the news from inside the rc helicopter hobby we bring you the rotor report All right, kicking off the news this week is Alex with some big announcements from BK Hobbies. 
So BK Hobbies has announced that they are carrying uh, different brands. And what I mean by that is uh, historically in the past as uh, the USA distributor for SAB helicopters, uh, BK Hobbies has only carried SAB machines and stocked their parts. And so the first thing that he announced, or when I say he, uh, Bert, who is the uh, owner and starter of BK Hobbies, started uh, selling Tron helicopters. And then a couple of days later, you started seeing XL Power and some few other things. He's also carrying the uh, XGuard RC, and there's a few other products that he started carrying. So you're starting to see some new things show up at the BK Hobbies website. Uh, if you're wanting to see what else is available, hop on uh, bkhobbies.com and see it. I do not know what else is coming, uh, but Bert keeps announcing new things. Uh, it feels like every yeah. week right now. So, yeah, and it's it's got to be good for the hobby, right? Like now, it's like if you're a Tron fan, for example, you've got three places in the U.S. to look for a part if uh, one of your favorites is out of stock. So that's great. Yeah, same for XL Power and others. And then SAB has also been teasing that there is some new stuff coming at Rotor Live. Uh, they've got a a video that initially just said there is a new 700 coming and i i have been led to believe it's going to be a genesis i don't know where i saw that but it's supposed to be a new genesis i i mean i would love to see a new raw type machine 3d machine from them but i also kind of secretly hope they don't have another 700 3d machine because that's just something else i'm going to want to buy so excited to see what's coming out in rotor live i don't know what else could be improved upon right now with the, the way machines perform well and they're super reliable so maybe there's a new fuselage i have no idea what's coming with the genesis i do know that bert in the last episode mentioned that there was something small coming out so yeah i think we might see two new helicopters i think bert talked about something small maybe it's a small update to an existing helicopter i don't know or maybe it's a new small helicopter who knows he just said something small but uh the Genesis stuff, they started to announce at last year's Road Alive. They had one teased. There was one of their F3C pilots testing like an, an updated drivetrain that was a little smoother. It autoed a little better. Uh, but oh, okay. it sounds like they've done a whole refresh to the Genesis. So I don't know. Maybe a new fuselage design, maybe a whole new fuselage shape. But uh, I'm excited to see what they Road do. Road Alive is always exciting this time of year because there's so many things. So I know. It's funny. You can hear it's like, you know, like when a giant wave is coming, like the ocean sucks out and it yeah. gets all calm. And then all of a sudden, it, this is, we're in the like sucks out phase right now. Like the hobby's going quiet. Few teaser photos and videos uh, and good stuff's coming. Lots um, of manufacturers announce products at Rotor Live. Yeah, a lot of European ones too. I'm excited to see what miniature aircraft's doing because they said they would have a bunch of new stuff ready to release at Rotor Live last year that they teased like the new rotor head design for and said, you know, we're going to revamp up basically our whole line. So we'll see what they drop too. Looking forward to that. So, Scott, since you're here, we always like to put you to work. Uh, what do you got for news? Absolutely. So, the latest generation of Railblades are starting to make their debut. So, initially, these have been offered to some Synergy team pilots. I don't know if you guys have seen the posts or not, but I've seen a couple here and there making me super jealous. But I expect to see those for sale from dealers in not the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I kind of cool. like the partial yeah. paint scheme they did to those. I like them, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty. Paint I do cool. too. Yeah, it looks very cool. I like the graphical design way better than the original design. It looks great. Yeah, good job, Matt. I like it. 
I'd say less happy news. Uh, Telerotor podcast, the podcast known for its mix of shouting and shenanigans with uh, some other deep dives into some technical topics, have announced that they're closing up shop. So, yeah, sadly, we've lost another podcast. But congratulations to you guys on a solid run. And uh, we appreciate all the work you put into it. Yeah. They had a great run. Totally. Some of their episodes, uh, their episodes on soldering, some just, you know, important parts of the hobby, but they go deep into them and uh, it's great. You know, Uh, I will definitely miss it. All right. Kenny, what do you got? Uh, I got some news. Uh, Looking for a good deal on a Spectre V2 with all the different uh, versions out there, the Nick Maxwell, Kenny Co., etc. There are some new uh, dealers uh, retailing trying to uh, sell off the uh, the original Spectre V2 kits that are uh, up for sale right now for $5.99. Cajun Aircraft is one of them, and I'm sure a few others may follow. Reminds me of the SAB summer sale. Yeah, I guess they just uh, people are buying the newer editions. Yeah, that's a great deal on a Spectre. I mean, the upgrades are nice, but I mean, that's still an awesome deal to get that helicopter because there's nothing wrong with that one. To You know, the other stuff's just like little detail add-on so it's a great deal i was gonna say a box full of spares if you already have a v2 and you love it you can pick a whole kit up for cheap and just have you know a pile of spares not a bad idea if you especially if you have to, like a re-kit coming up <laughs> you have the whole side frames i love how you said that if you have a re-kit coming up like maybe it, you're it, heading the, to rch re-kit yeah Wait, <laughs> if, you, you if you're going to rch them? order one <laughs> what was that i thought we were supposed to schedule those in like monthly re-kits yeah it's that it's that time of the year for me, guys. You can do like Amazon and put on one of those pre- pres- prescription type orders where you have one coming monthly. You know, you subscribe to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my Specter V two subscription. <laughs> every, every helicopter needs its monthly, monthly sink bath. <laughs> it's like those boxes of wine. You just <laughs> sign up and keep them coming. I okay, like this. Spe- <laughs> it could work for a lot of us. Spectrum has announced uh, two new ESCs as part of their Avian line of speed controllers they have a 160 amp and a 200 amp Uh, both are 6 to 14s and both feature up to 8.4 volts at 10 amps i guess the 10 amps would maybe be a peak or spike both include the spectrum smart telemetry features um, which actually i've caught a few of those and it's pretty nice um the the amount of detail you see you know fet temperatures battery you can put battery things on there too if you have the sensors and all this different stuff both look like they were developed with Hobbywing partnerships, so it's uh, branded as you know, it's a Spectrum, but they do have that Hobbywing look. I'm assuming it's their own firmware, like on the other Spectrum ESCs, to where you, you really can't use the same programmers. So, um, you know, they're, they're separate, but but the same type of a uh, base model. Both feature pre-model, pre-soldered uh, motor bullets as well as a Y lead with the IC5 connectors on both, and you can also there's a splitter that comes on those, right? Is that what you have on here is a splitter? Yeah, it's like a Y connector with two battery connectors soldered on it. So if you run it 6S, they give you like a little adapter you plug into one of the uh, battery connectors. Uh, yes, you can just run it as a single 6-cell pl- uh, pack instead of the 12S um, pre-soldered installation, I guess. And then um, the 160 version is available for pre-order for $350. That's US dollars. And the 200 is priced at 480 US dollars. Be sure to pick one of their ESC programmer boxes up as well for 30 bucks while you're there. Yeah, they, uh, I like that Spectrum kind of tries to 
I don't want to say dumb down. I feel like that's the wrong word, but they try and set up people for success. So they solder your motor bullets for you. They solder Spectrum IC5 connectors so all the telemetry features will work with their smart batteries. You don't have to use smart batteries, but uh, um, it's cool. I think it's a great yeah, that, that entry. That one got me because I've never seen them come with them like ready soldered. That's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, it is kind of cool. And if you're using Spectrum radios or running the Spectrum 6250, it's kind of a no-brainer to consider the Avian ESCs. Yeah, cool. the telemetry, Thanks, I Kenny. think, is on par better with the uh, hobbying, I would say. Yeah, interestingly though, you lose milliamps consumed on telemetry. So the hobby wings obviously have that built in because you know they do that with many other radios, but Spectrum doesn't quite currently see the light on milliamps consumed. So if you're interested in milliamp telemetry, definitely, you know, send an email to to the guys at Spectrum and I'm sure they could maybe add it in a firmware update in the future. We'll see. If I'm not mistaken, I keep thinking on the transmitter, you can kind of add that as one of your boxes and it will kind of keep track of what you've used, but I'm not sure it's accurate or set up the same way as hobby wings I, I was told that the actual escs don't have the overhead in their processing chip to convert milliamp hour consumed telemetry into their xbus protocol there you go so interesting even though the hobby wing has a hardware when they changed it from having that telemetry port in the side of the esc like hobby wing has to actually sending over a single rpm wire kind of like uh, uh what is it called? D-shot kind of thing where it, it sends it over yeah, the just one signal. single digital yeah. signal. Yeah. They can't get that calculated and sent through the processing uh, into the telemetry just because they ran out of overhead. So th- Yeah, I feel like it's going, it they I know think it's, it's calculating off of the amps that it sees on the transmitter, isn't it? Like if you do it that way? No, no. Well, it's calculated in the ESC and then sent over and it's based on time. So it's, it's amperage over time. But I, I don't know. I don't know that that's beyond my knowledge on it, but it's apparently inside the ESC. It can't be calculated and sent to the fly barless system. If you send it to the the radio, uh, if you have any interruption in telemetry, your milliamp hour consumption is lost. It's messed up. That's why Hobbywing does it in the ESC as well. That's what I was saying. I think it works, but it's not going to be as accurate. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever unplugged your Hobbywing and plugged it back in, you'll notice the actual milliamp hour updates because it's stored in the ESC. Really what I've been doing on mine when I'm flying, I'm just going by, I use an audio alert and I'm just having it tell me the battery voltage. And I just, it'll warn me when I get down to like 42.9 or whatever, you know, I have it set at. So I don't even really stare at the milliamps mainly. Oh, dude. I, I don't know. I can never give up at this point. I I hate giving it up, not hearing like you've used 90% of the battery. I let you select when you turn the model on. I love it. Yeah, I just picked the voltage I want and then it it yells it out when it gets to be that voltage and I don't know it's time to land pretty much. Yeah, I just like while I'm flying that it tells me where I'm at. So you get an idea. It's like, can I keep flying harder? Should I not? Should I, do I have enough left to shoot an auto or where am I? Am I going to kill the pack if I do something ridiculous right now, you know? Plus that it asks you what capacity battery you're using before you spool up is awesome so that I'm not worried about, you know, changing capacities or trying different things like it'll do it all it'll figure it out for me the spectrum one does um like if i'm flying past my you know initial alert every however many seconds you want it to say it it will tell you the next voltage you know as you you can fly and just listen to it it'll say like 42.8 you know and 10 seconds later 42.7 like it it does keep continue telling you so it's not really any different in that sense yeah i guess i just don't and maybe you know i'm sure if you fly it all the time you know what 42.7 means to me you say that right now i'm like i have no idea that means nothing to me <laughs> you don't like doing mental math on the fly 
<laughs> no, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just used to like the, you know, 3.7 or 3.5 or 6 times 12. <laughs> This is this is why I like my radio going, hey, dumbass, you've used half the battery. <laughs> like, All right, cool. Thanks. All right. Moving on in the news. Goose Guy RS7s have been shipping out to folks all over the world in the past couple of weeks. So I've got mine patiently waiting at home, as I mentioned earlier. And with this release has come some additional canopy options by Fasuno in a variety of colors. So if, like me, you hate when yours looks like everybody else's, uh, you can check out the new line of canopies over at your favorite Fasuno retailer. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before colored booms and some other options start to appear, both from Goose Guy and others as well. Uh, frankly, if you're listening, white skids, white skid pipes, please. Very soon. Thank you. Currently on the Goose Guy RS7, it's only black skids and black pipes, which I'm not a big fan of. So has anybody actually, as an aside, ever painted their skids and pipes? Did it hold up? I'm guessing paint on plastic doesn't hold up very well. I dye my white ones randomly, like different colors, like yellow and blue and stuff. Yeah, I want to paint black ones white. I'm also white, a white skids fan, but um, I know other people that prefer black, so. Yeah, which, you know, to each your own, but uh, I don't know if it would take paint and hold it or whether it would just look terrible and scratched up very quickly. I think it would look terrible. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, the easiest way is just put, and take the white like, ones and dump them in some dye and some hot water. Yeah, but getting black to a lighter color is really hard, but I mean. Yeah, if, that's going to be rough. If anything, I'd try and find some like white shrink tubing and slide it over the skids and shrink it down. Yeah, I think that would be best. Yeah, or just change your skid tubes if you can find white ones that'll take place or a different color that's brighter too. May help out. Well, that's the thing. I might order some Tron skid tubes because they're white with no text on them. So that might be a great choice. Sorry, Tron. (laughs) Uh, And then just put those in the black skids uh, and see what works. But we'll see. Anyway, uh, it's going to be a minute before I start that build. So I have time to figure out what I'm doing. There might be white skids available by the time I get there. All right. so. This next piece of news I want to handle kind of carefully. Uh, And by carefully, I mean that one of the things I love about this team and this podcast is we've decided as a group that we don't share rumors. We don't share anything for the sake of drama or finger pointing or to take shots at brands. That's just not who we are as a show. So I do think, though, that this is a newsworthy item. So we were sent an email anonymously that was sent out to all exhibitors and competitors at the upcoming Rotor Live event and 3D competition in Germany uh, at the beginning of March. In short, the letter prohibits any modified V-control transmitters using the AG01V gimbals from the event out of an abundance of caution. And they present two cases. One is for safety reasons. You know, what happens if there's an error in communication between the gimbal and the radio during flight? Uh, The other is that there are many demos and a packed competition schedule, and they don't want a pilot to turn on their V-Control and suddenly have a 15-minute delay because they happen to get the red air message right as they're about to go up to fly. So for now, we've only ever seen this message show up at boot up. There are no cases we've heard of anywhere where something happens in flight and they lose control, but we can certainly understand the stance of wanting to be overly cautious at a well-attended public event, and Rotor Live has packed grandstands watching all of these demo flights in the 3D contest. I totally get that. Here's what I don't understand, though, is that the organizers of Rotor of Live asked in the email that it be kept in confidence and not shared widely. So they sent this message out to all of the exhibitors and all of the competitors and said, please keep it quiet. So I'm all for any event being allowed to establish their own rules, right? It's your event. That's totally okay. But I just want to encourage Rotor Live and any other event to do so openly and with full transparency, meaning 
any changes to the rules of the competition or the event should be published and available to all. So trying to ban equipment behind closed doors doesn't serve the best interests of the hobby at all, in my opinion. Uh, I haven't heard any kind of public statement out of Kenny Ko, who is the current world champion, who also developed these very gimbals with Radio Master and used them to win the world championships on his reaction to the ban. Uh, He is expected to compete at the event. I don't know whether he's just going to go back to stock gimbals quietly uh, or what's going to happen. But uh, I've also heard rumors of this maybe coming up on future events. Uh, I haven't heard it in the US, but I have heard that some other uh, European counterparts to the AMA are considering adding event rules, not allowing these gimbals uh, out of an abundance of caution as well. Uh, so just let that be your guide. We don't really know what's going on here, but you know there are some folks that are understandably cautious and are considering some rule changes based on, uh, based on this situation. Anybody have any thoughts they want to share on that? I mean, you know, Mikado insists that you go to their VStabby website to complain about anything, uh, that that's where they communicate and they don't get involved in the drama that can be social media, but they need to be paying attention if they want to stay relevant. I mean, I know that they're presently the the most flown fly barless unit in the hobby, but this is... This is forcing people to feel discontent for a product that they know and love and making people want to leave. Because as hobbyists, part of what we enjoy is tinkering and, and playing with different things. So I, I hate that as someone who wants to support uh, not only Mikado USA, but also the product that I know and enjoy using. And like I said, I, I love the buddy box functions and all the functionality that's built into it and the telemetry and the ease of use and the flight characteristics are also great with the, the, the radio system. So I, I just, I wish that Mikado would pay attention more to what is happening outside of what's on the VStabby website. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation, right? It's an aftermarket product that they're not responsible for. Uh, you know, the error is not something created to counter this product. It's just a self-check that's always been there in the radio since day one on, you know, the V-controls. So it's not really their fault. The same token, I wish they'd say, hey, this is only going to make our product more popular. Uh, you know, look Absolutely. at the RC car industry. The aftermarket parts industry and the RC car industry supports purchasing new RC cars all day long. So, I mean, that's like saying uh, Scorpion ESCs only supports Scorpion motors. Yeah. But yeah. they also didn't like list anything else. Like somebody else could be flying any kind of transmitter or fly barless unit, and that's not an issue. Right. So the Radio Master well, Radio with Radio Master gimbals is fine. I don't know. I yeah, think they I imply know. that other modified transmitters may also, you know, be subject to issue uh, while not specifically saying it. Uh, you know, and maybe, you know, in this new era of modifying your transmitter, that becomes a thing. I don't know. It's something to think about and, you know, make your I'd be more worried really wisely. about the guy that used one red and black wire into his receiver <laughs> at the event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't tape them down. So I have like, I have like a line in the sand with this that that really kind of made me upset. Like, I agree. It's a third party product. Don't modify equipment. It's not supported. It's not their responsibility, but I didn't like the fact that when it does fault, you get one reset and it has to be sent from the factory. And if it happens again, you're done. Like if it was one of those things that, Oh, if the gimbals fault, the radio won't let you fly no matter how many times you turn it on and off. Cause it's still faulted. The gimbals are messed up, you know? But if you put the stock ones back in and reboot it, you're good. Like that, 
that would make me a hundred percent fine to be like, Oh, so the, there's an issue with the radio master gimbals. You'll get a bad right. one every now and then, whatever. But like, let's just say 10 years from now, if Mikado's not around or they don't have the same service system around, if I get a fault in my radio in 10 years and it shuts off in this way, let's say even with the stock gimbals, just cause they wore out over time. Does that mean I'm done? It's bricked. I can't fix it because I don't have conversations with the factory to fix it. You know? That's so what I, from, and I agree with that, but no one's ever had an issue with the stock gimbals giving you the yeah, red screen either, right? You get where I'm coming from, though. It's like it's like if there was an issue with your car and your catalytic converter, you know, was messed up, and all of a sudden your car just wouldn't drive, and you had to get it reset with the factory. Cool, unless you're driving like a Saab or something where there is no factory anymore. Now what? Yeah, I will say that I have heard from folks that. There is a workaround that doesn't involve getting the reset code from Mikado. That essentially you hook the radio yeah, to your computer as a hard drive, basically format it or format it. You know, reflash it, and then reinstall the software. And you can do that over and over and over again without you know contacting Mikado. Um, many you folks do that when they. That? I would still have a Mikado radio right now. I don't know that they knew initially. Yeah, this was all like figured out over time uh, from other folks. Uh, I have heard, incidentally, since this went down, uh, I've now seen at least two more cases from the initial three I was made aware of, uh, and I've seen one person who's seen the error message twice. Yeah, so we are seeing a few more cases of this. I don't know that we're seeing, you know, Alex and I were talking and we're looking into Radio Master gimbal failures in other radios, and they do happen. There's plenty of threads out there about them in other radios, so. Uh, it's possible that it's it's just totally a hardware fault on the radio master side, and some percentage of them have issues, but it's a very small percentage. But uh, you know. it'd be interesting to know how many radio master gimbals are out there in V. I mean, you're never going to be able to figure that out. So. A lot, I think. I mean, it's a very popular radio amongst the drone crowd. It's been out for a couple of years now. Anyway, don't want to don't want to beat that horse too much, but uh, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, it felt like a newsworthy thing. All right. Moving on from that to this week's Rotor Rage, we have a very special guest for this week's Rotor Rage. Uh, Mr. Burt Kammerer dropped in uh, to tell us what, uh, what pisses him off. So with that, here's Burt. All right, so my rage today has to do with being impatient. This is a hobby. So when we go to an online retail shop and we purchase something, place an order, and that retailer ships it, oftentimes the same day, which is kind of unheard of for a lot of other types of industries, but we get our stuff shipped the same day. And for some reason, UPS, USPS, FedEx, whomever it is, decides that they're going to lose the package or it's just going to get stalled uh, traveling from point A to B. And you start tracking it, and it either shows no movement or label created, and uh, you just become really impatient. And all of a sudden, you just go on Facebook within three days, or you decide to call your credit card to put a charge back, um, or you just do something stupid. Just don't be that guy. Don't do this. Just be patient, wait, and if it's still not moving after three or four days, contact the retailer and give them a chance to rectify the situation. Also, most retailers offer insurance. We recommend, I recommend that you actually get the insurance because it makes your life a lot easier. Even though retailers oftentimes will make it right, um, ultimately the retailer is going to lose the money. Um, so just 
buy the insurance, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, three bucks, depending on how much you spent. It's worth every penny. Oftentimes, these insurance companies will take care of it within 24 hours, and your favorite retailer will get that package back out the door for the second time at no cost to you or to them, which is, I think, important in this very tiny, small niche community that we're a part of. So again, don't do this. Don't be that guy. Be patient. Communicate. Talk to your retailer. All the retailers are out there want to make sure that you're happy, and they're going to do their best to just... Yeah, to make you happy. So there you go. That's my rage. All right. Thanks, Bert. Appreciate that. Uh, definitely some uh, solid words of advice there. All right. With that, it's time to move on to this week's Rotor Replay. All right, Alex, what do you got for us? So I'm sharing an old video. And and when you watch a lot of flight videos, unless you're searching for, I'm going to try to do this maneuver, or I'm looking for some inspiration, it's something that I want to do, I feel like you kind of get lost um, and maybe don't watch the whole thing. But this is a video that I've watched over and over again. It's from 2012. And a lot of these old videos are starting to resurface where like we're seeing fly bar videos. Um, Bert has been sharing and been tagged in a number of his old videos of him flying uh, seven years ago or something back when the, the the goblin competition was around and things like that so this one's on the mikado youtube page it is from the kyle doll dollhouse uh, event in 2012 there's one of him flying and one of jamie robertson but while these flights are amazing and precise and impressive they're also happening in a way that you can still follow what's happening in flight uh and and not watching someone like cd or kenny co or something going wow my, my hands don't move that fast and you kind of move on or something like that or, or you're just going wow that was amazing these are really great maneuvers that you can kind of follow and see what's happening and i've enjoyed watching this video over and over again so they'll put a uh, we'll put a link up on our facebook and uh hopefully in the in the notes of the podcast feel like that was that was that was a slap you're like hopefully in the notes yeah, of the podcast twice. that was a direct slap at me <laughs> no it was not not oh it's true i'm terrible at remembering to put them everywhere and share I them i've Facebook honestly never looked week. to see if they're in the notes so uh i i do sometimes get it i i will apologize for missing it sometimes um all right thanks alex uh that is a great video actually when you brought it up uh, this week as a, as a nomination for the Rotor Replay, I went back and watched it, and I was like, oh, I totally remember this. I've watched this before. It's great. It's fun to watch Kyle Dahl fly. He's, uh, he's very entertaining. All right, with that, we're going to move over to some upcoming events. Uh, Alex, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, Curtis Beck sent us a, uh, a message that said there is a swarm one-day helicopter event uh, coming up. It will be Saturday july 20th in at the milwaukee county airplane field in franklin wisconsin ten dollar pilot fee which includes lunch a, a pizza lunch and if it's going to be raining you can expect that they'll have uh the event the next day so there is limited power uh 12 and 24 volt plugins but uh if you can bring a generator and awesome to see different events coming up in different parts of the country I have one from a manual listener uh, reached out to us to tell us about uh, an upcoming fun fly in Canada. It's at uh, NIPMAC, which is Nipissing Miniature Aircraft Club. Um, they will be hosting its first annual Collective Chaos Helicopter Fun Fly on June 29th and 30th at the NIPMAC Flying Club in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. 
uh, 3D demo flights by well-known Canadian pilots Dima Vinar and Diego Arce. Limited RV camping on site for registered pilots. Uh, great pilot prizes and raffles. Multiple light uh, towers and night flying on the evening of June 29th. And the landing fee is $20. Kenny, I'm disappointed. I specifically assigned Nipissing Miniature Aircraft Club to you, expecting a joke. <laughs> I, I was really, I was holding back. I was holding back. I, I pronounced it correctly. Nipissing. I, I have no Nip-nipissing. idea how you say that. I will not. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing Nipissing. I'm going to go with that. Maybe they can correct us, though. Yeah. Miniature Nipissing. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right, Scott, what do you got? The Emirates Aerosports Federation will be putting on the Dubai Masters RC competition once again, this time on March 1st through the 3rd, featuring a group of the world's best pilots going head-to-head. This is a, a very awesome event, and Tarek Al-Sadi does a great job every year of bringing in local spectators or bringing in local news stations in Dubai. Uh, it's like front and center in the middle of downtown Dubai, which is cool at this park, so... Pay attention, look for lots of social media shares from there. I know there's some folks heading out there uh, that expect to share lots of content from there this year. And I've actually, or we've actually got something in the works with somebody planning to try and get us some coverage who's flying out there for the event. So more news on that uh, as we get a little closer to the event. That would be an awesome All right, with that, you didn't You didn't make Scott pronounce that Doobie Masters. Like, I mean... It could have a different pronunciation too. The Doobie Doobie Masters. (laughs) I don't know. You strike me as more of a Doobie Master than Scott. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. All right. Send in those fun flight dates. Better yet. Yeah, right? (laughs) Send us your fun flight dates. Better yet, send us an audio message, which we're happy to help coordinate uh, and give us a blurb about it in your own words. But uh, you can always reach us via Messenger on Facebook at the Roto Revolution Facebook page or hit me up directly at nick at rotorevolution.live uh, with that that's uh, that's all we got for the news this week hey this is Leroy Hall with the Heavy Cincy Crew you're listening to Roto Revolution RC Podcast alright it's time for the main topic and this week, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of this and that. Or is it uh, this verse that? Uh, which? <laughs> this uh, going to sing it? I was, I was trying to think of like some sort of Abbott and Costello routine with this and that and who's on first, etc. the cetera, Kia car uh, commercial where they're like, you can do with this or you can do with that. And it's like the two rats <laughs> pointing at a little <laughs> Kia car. <laughs> That's what so gave sing? me the idea was that song. <laughs> uh, and then so Charles sent you, me the other song that I ended up using like in the intro, like that and like this. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember the song. There's what is so many song? good this and that songs? You got to tell them to chill to the next episode. Oh, Scott, on your YouTube channel, your YouTube channel is relatively difficult to fly to find because there's a lot of this versus that. So would would it be nice to say Scott Graham this versus that? So I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't pick it or do it to make it popular, I guess. I just, I was going to just type up my thoughts on this stuff. And then people asked more and more and more questions. And I was like, I'm just going to have to It's a super interesting topic. A video, you know? Well, well, let's, uh, let's, let's get into what the topic is before we dig too far. Um, Sure. Because everyone else is going, what are they talking about? Uh, So, (laughs) 
Scott Scott has has developed this YouTube channel of his own uh, called This Versus That, and the whole concept, and we'll talk about it in depth in a second here, is to compare electronics and fly wireless controllers, specifically at least initially, uh, against each other. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. That's why we had Scott back on the show once he introduced the concept in an intro video, and he's released his first episode. Uh, you can check out, and we will definitely in the show notes give you a direct link because Alex, as Alex said, it is a little hard to find when you search for this versus that uh, on YouTube. But uh, so, Scott, just give us a little background, like what what prompted, like where did the idea for this channel come from, and and what's what are your kind of give us a high level overview of the whole idea. I mean, it originated because I was maybe frustrated with a certain thing going on in the hobby with some upgrades on a radio, and it just kind of made me wonder what what else is out there i've i've really avoided flying anything else for years like 7 years i've been flying mikado and just recent events has me going let me just see how everything else is doing because when i started with that years ago it was the absolute best you couldn't beat it it was revolutionary and then everyone's been playing catch up for years right so I'm like, well, I wonder where everyone's at. Let me kind of dip my toes in and see what's been upgraded, what has telemetry. So I just started looking at all the radios that were out. And then I started looking at all the fly barlesses that were out. And I went and chose whatever ones had the closest integration to Mikado as I could find. And it just started snowballing with like the amount that I ended up purchasing. <laughs> my initial thought was, oh, I guess he sold his other expensive radio and v i'm sorry other fly barless unit for enough money to pay for this new spectrum system and things like that but then once you started servicing with the jetty and everything else i went oh never mind he's just spending a bunch of money <laughs> yeah it got a little silly because <laughs> I've, I've tried a couple different things like futaba as well in the past and for, i thought i did something else as well Futaba also feels really good yeah it's just the sure. programming is it's let's just face it it's frustrating yep and I wanted to just be able to compare like same platform because I'd always like jump over, test a little thing, start flying on one helicopter. Some little small specific detail would frustrate me and I'd be like, ah, forget it. I'm going back to Mikado, you know? It is a good default to go back to. Yeah. So is the aim to just compare fly barless units? Uh, but I know you've tried to honor ecosystems where they exist, like going with a Spectrum ESC with a Spectrum flight controller. Yeah, I want to try and pick a platform that has the most integration. So if there's a certain brand that links with another brand. So Spectrum was the first choice because I, basically their flybarless system is very tightly integrated with the radio, which is also tightly integrated with their ESC. And you could argue that, you know, I didn't need to do the ESC. I could have just thrown no, my didn't. hobby wing on there. But I wanted to give them the absolute most fighting chance to have everything work the way it did. and. I feel like a lot of people that are flying the Spectrum stuff are also using that ecosystem, so it was a nice, fair yeah. thing to do. And I had seen that 200 was coming out that yeah. um, you guys talked about in the news, and I was like, man, this means that you know this platform's finally going to be viable for a 700. So the one that's out now worked for a Dynamic, so it was perfect for my testing, but I figured if this was really something I wanted to stick with, I would be able to run it on a 12S, you know, full weight, full fat 700 and go party on. Um, the only thing I didn't run was their batteries. I didn't want to get stuck with them. And it didn't yield any better telemetry other than giving me battery percentage based on voltage still. So it kind of didn't matter. So 
Yeah, it's kind of unneeded, I guess, in a sense. So you had you had a did you did you put together an initial list of these are the things I'm going to compare? So I I made a list of review criteria that I threw into just a word document at first that I was kind of going through, but I wanted to look at country of origin because I I thought it was cool. I knew Spectrum was, you know, a United States-based company. I wanted to try and pick something that was different, I guess. If it was made in the US, that's cool. Um, I wanted to judge packaging. How does it arrive? Is it in a regular cardboard box or does it look like it's super pretty and I paid the right amount of money for what I just got? Overall feel of it. Is it feel chintzy? Is it in a thin plastic case that cracks or is it in an aluminum case or something? Initial configuration. So when you buy it, you have to update the software. You got to register it, you know, all that kind of stuff. How hard is that to get through? Like the first time I ever set up, for instance, like a VStabby account, I was confused. It's a total you know? pain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually more difficult than the setup of the helicopter because you got to go through yeah. the emailing process. <laughs> True. And set totally logging insane. in and out. Yep. Which, which, if you're listening and you don't know wh- why did they do this, it, it is because someone came out with a similar system that they had copied that actually used the VBAR software. So they had literally copied the hardware and it took away from their R&D and their effort. And so they locked it down so that you couldn't use their software without their permission, essentially. Um, And then instructions, how good are their instructions telling you how to do everything? Uh, What is it like to wire? Do I have to pull out a bunch of leads from connectors and make a bunch of special adapters and things and, you know, proprietary cables? What is that like? Um, Integration for a new helicopter. If a unit can't be set up from the bench without a laptop, I don't want it. That's not not where we're at today, you know? So that's got to be there. I need a certain kind of telemetry. Like, the only thing I really care about, I guess, is milliamp hour consumption. I need to know when I should land or not. And it's nice when I plug in a new battery. Can it tell me if it's dead or not? If I've goofed that it is nice. in an old pack. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't really care. Amp draw, uh, current that I've done, what I, whatever. So what are the ones that you've chosen to compare? Or do you want to talk? Do you want to reveal that? I know you're yeah, kind of have a that. series you're doing. Okay. Um, still going through. So, I mean, there's still the tuning ease. How fast can you tune at the field? Um, out of the box tune. Is it, is it good to fly right out of the box or does it take someone that knows what they're doing to go through and fix it to make it fly right? And then um, after you tune it and fly it, how hard can you fly it? Is it stable? And that's pretty much it. That's my list of criteria. But list of units. A Spectrum was the first one, and then I wanted to try uh, Spirit. So I had played a little bit with that Spirit Wave radio, and I quite liked it. The system seemed like it was very complete. So I wanted to go that route, but I wanted to test what was currently available now. So that's where Jetty came from. I wanted to try FR Sky as well with the Spirit. Uh, so that then opened up the idea of, well, what about brain two? Because the X 20 S has like really good integration with the the brain two. And so does the jetty platform. So I bought one of those. And then a small part of me was like, well, I tried Futaba before with the 32 MZ and the 760. I loved the way it flew. It was phenomenal. I just didn't like the way the radio programmed. So I started thinking, well, they've got a 755 that doesn't need the Futaba radio. You can put whatever receiver you want on it. Cool. Let's try that with a third-party radio. We'll throw it on the FR Sky, for instance, and see how that works. And you, you don't, don't need get, a computer for that one? No, you get the program box, a um, okay. little device, so like a Hobbywing yeah. programmer type deal. Um, yep. So What is that called with Futaba? Area, the, the like you PP. still have to walk up to it and plug in and tune. 
but I don't need a laptop. So I'm like, eh, that counts. I'll, I'll bring that into the fold. What is that box called? Uh, the G GP one yes, GP one. Yeah. Gyro Something like that. One, I guess. Yeah. And then I've got rotor flight. I've got that new ELRS express ELRS, uh, rotor flight V2. What is it called? The dragon something fly dragon V2. You guys familiar with that? Yeah. I have one of those also. Yeah. I was waiting yeah. on Kenny to chime in. Cause I am not. <laughs> so that one is kind of, interesting there's no way it's going to win the competition for whatever i'm doing here because it requires a laptop and damn near control a computer science degree to set that thing up but it is definitely something i want to at least cover and explain and and kind of shed some light on it but it's not ready for like new people or people that don't want to tinker to play with it it's still very much in beta testing you're you really need to know what you're doing and want to to like learn the system in order to get into that aspect but I wanted to cover it because it's kind of the new thing. I think that's cool. So you talked about comparing and covering things. Uh, you have kind of a unique setup with two identical helicopters in order to do this in as direct and equivalent way as possible. Can you talk a little bit about that approach? Yeah, that's what really gave me the idea to try it. Because again, in the past, I had tried it on a random helicopter, uh, flown it. It was kind of like, yeah, I think I remember it feels different or not. But I have a situation now where I have two identical dynamics, same battery, same ESC, same motor, same blades, 100% identical. And I wanted to try all these systems. So I figured the most logical way is start with whatever system I think is the one I will like the most, put it on a system, try it. If I love it, try the next one on the next helicopter. And if that first system can survive the whole testing sequence, without being replaced by whatever new ones I try, then it, it basically won. You know, it, it didn't get eliminated. But in the sake of like what happened with Spectrum, I, I tried it first because I thought it was going to be the absolute best. But because of that milliamp hour telemetry I can't get, it gets bumped. So it gets replaced with Spirit. But for instance, the next one I'll try is probably going to be the Brain 2. If the brain's better than the spirit, it'll bump it. If not, then I'll pull the brain off and I'll run the next one on that second helicopter. But I can so fly you're them done back with Spectrum for what? now. Are you what? done with Spectrum for now? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, it's out of the box tune. It isn't easy. It's it's very difficult to get it to fly right out of the box. But with a decent amount of tuning, it actually flies very well. Um, the radio itself and the integration is probably the best out of anything else. Just because it's got really nice graphics, it's Android based. You can do a bunch of cool stuff on the radio. It was awesome. But so are there before we get into further comparisons of different fly barless units? Are you using certain flight characteristics uh, as a benchmark of like, like I remember back when fly barless units were being developed, there were issues where if you're going faster than forward flight, it would flip and roll faster than it would on a stationary flip and roll. Mm -hmm. And there was also porpoising in forward flight that was happening with different units. Are you, are you checking all that kind of stuff with every unit? I mean, I've, I can push units that I've owned in the past to the point that they do kind of silly things. They'll blow out. They'll, they'll right. have these wiggles or shake. So, I mean, that's kind of normal. If I fly a certain way, I know certain maneuvers that I use for tuning a helicopter. I know if I push them past a certain level, it really doesn't work that well anyway with any helicopter. So I kind of see how far I can push it when I do things. And I want to see how stable it remains when I fly it like a, a Yahoo at times. 
Right. Super high, <laughs> super high hurricane, fast hurricanes or yeah, whatever. And then like, very hard pushovers at the top before overspeeds. Like you said, fast hurricanes, I'll do fast forward flight and I'll jab the elevator. I'll jab the aileron at certain times and see if I get oscillations or if it chops the damn tail off or something. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see that leading to a boom strike possibly yeah. at some point. Yeah. 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 I've been doing that with the rotor flight. You go like full speed and then see if it stays at the angle you tilted it at or if it's, you know, mm-hmm. one to pitch up or down or sideways. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much it. It's, I, you get, you get to the point, I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about where you, you fly a certain maneuver or certain things and you know where the helicopter should go based on previous experience. And if it does something different or is not what you expected, it's either a tuning issue or you find the limitations of that fly bar. So that's kind of what I'm, where I'm at. Yeah. Like it's not able to hold that angle. I think it's cool, man. I think you have a reputation as being a well-respected objective like reviewer of things um and have done some great podcast episodes over the years like on flybarless tuning so i think folks you know definitely respect your opinion on this front and are looking forward to kind of hearing your your comparisons of these things which is cool but speaking of comparing them do you have any kind of like specific routine you're doing with all of them to try and like fairly compare them or you're just kind of flying them in the way that you do and making notes well, we only have five maneuvers that you can do. It's really easy to do. A- <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding. <laughs> hush. You're such a yeah, bullshit. for real. Come on. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't have a, a scripted routine that I do, but I do. I know where everything I do, if I do it at a certain way, I can make it not happy, I guess, the way you fly. Um, so I just see where it, where it screws up. How far can you push it before it starts to kind of show its ass, if you would? Some units do it very early on. Some units hold very sturdy. A lot of things, what I'm looking for is really not with feel, but stability in the fly barless system. So if I do, for instance, like a, a hard pushover and I stop uh, with a, like a hard collective smack, a lot of times there's a lot of turbulence in those kind of maneuvers and you'll get a lot of like, maybe I'll dip aside um, or it'll wiggle after that kind of maneuver. Or helicopters tend to really not like tail down TikToks. Um, you'll get a lot of violent skid shaking sometimes side to side with tail down TikToks. So I'll look at that and kind of judge how much it's shaking back and forth between the two. But what I do is if I find something strange with one of them, I'll do it with the other dynamic on the other system. So what would have been spectrum in this case to go back to is going to be, you know, jetty and, uh, spirit. So when I throw the brain on the second one, Let's say I do uh, an overspeed pop it and then go to like some sort of, uh, you know, pirouetting maneuver or something. Mm -hmm. If it does something I didn't expect, I'll immediately go to the same exact thing with the other helicopter and see what it does. Like an interesting thing that could be chalked up to my tuning was the uh, spirit, uh, not the spirit, the spectrum system did not like pirou TikToks for some reason. Really? Um, Yeah. If I occasionally it would work fine, but sometimes I'd go into doing pirou TikToks and it just almost wouldn't want to to move it was very strange i don't know like if got, it was something it with just got to where it was you were having to really push the stick really far to get it to to start rolling it was almost like it didn't just want to move it was very peculiar um were i don't know why okay? i don't know what it was but um i've had was, similar with the spectrum when i had it i had the cyclic had a little weird feel but like you said initially the spectrum was easy to get into and get it set up, but it had a loose feel and you had to kind of do a lot of tweaking to fine tune the head and the tail to make it have a solid feel to a sense. Yeah. And then once I got it solid, just occasionally it would feel like it was stuck. 
like it would like your V bar slider for style. I usually run it down at 50, but it was yeah. like, it would be at 50 the whole flight, except for two maneuvers. It would go like 120. It'd be super yeah, stiff strange. and hard to move. And then it would go back down to 50. I don't know if it, it was vibration and it just was having trouble filtering out a vibration at that cyclic amount at that RPM kind of thing, but it would just randomly do that, you know? So that kind of stuff is what I'm really looking for is things that aren't expected, things I don't want, un- undesired characteristics. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I was really interested in the spectrum system. I was interested that you chose that first. So Yeah, I just, I started, well, I didn't start with that, but I early on in like 2006 when the DX7 came out or 2005, I don't remember exactly when, but you know, it, it was cool. It kind of, it led me into 3D. It made the signal reliable enough where I never got any glitches. And I still have a, you know, a, a soft spot for Spectrum. I think they deserved a, a solid shot at it. And definitely, no, I, agree. I was going to say about the um, rotor flight, really not getting to that, but like rotor flight's got everything right in front of you on the, like if you're using a laptop, as far as like what you would call advanced settings. So on the 755 Futaba and the Brain 2, I guess uh, what I'm asking is you're going to have to go, are you going to go into those the advanced you know you have to get into the advanced menus on the futaba like for the expert flight menu and tail tuning and on the brain too you have to go into the advanced menu really to to tune and tweak them enough to where you can really see a difference on the units yeah i mean it's i did that stuff with all my v-bar units i currently am doing that with spirit if it doesn't if it doesn't fly like i want i figure out how i don't just go oh it's a rubbish unit move on yeah like i try yeah don't just gain sliders isn't it I spent about eight hours turning it the first time. Like I got it flying where I wanted about five hours. And then I spent the rest of the time just, just tweaking everything I could to make it as, as perfect as I could. And then I do it again the following week. Are you flight logging? Like, do you know how many flights you put on the spectrum system? I'm not writing it down. I don't, I don't, not the one of those kind of people that writes down my flights or anything, but I have the flight count on the radio. Is that something people care about? Uh, I've, I've, the only reason I say that is you're saying you're giving them all a fair shot and you talk about the time spent, but time spent could also correlate to how much time was spent trying to figure out how to do this versus how much time was actually spent flying it. Yeah. I would say um, you probably need at least a good 10 full flights or so to even kind of be able to. Yeah. I mean, it was, compare. it was about maybe eight or nine packs and it wasn't like if it didn't fly well, I flew the pack out anyway. If it's right. not good, I hold and land and fix, take Got off. It. I mean, okay. I, I'm landing That's like a lot. 15 times a flight sometimes just getting it right. Okay. But the, the intent isn't, I guess, to say which one absolutely flies the best. I'm looking for the overall best package. So I want, I want the integration. I want the telemetry. I want the ease of setup and I want good flight characteristics. If I was just simply doing which fly barless system has the most rock solid performance in the air, I think I'd be a little bit more methodical on it, but I just want to see what unit is something that is livable for the normal person that they'd really enjoy using. Yeah. The, the easiest to get from starting to tuned and working and without the most hassle, basically. Yeah. Uh, to something that flies at the 90% or 95% of what, what you want it to do. That kind of thing. In your videos, speaking of sort of the whole package, ease of setup, et cetera, do you sort of discuss it from a beginner angle at all? Mm, a little bit, as far as the base tune difficulty 
and how hard it is to get set up. Uh, I try and keep that in mind is, is if you're coming into this as a new setup and a new person, how much rings and hoops am I going to have to jump through to get this thing working and flying? That's the biggest reason I fly everything on out of the box tune because not, not everyone knows how to tune a helicopter. Not everybody wants to tune a helicopter. No, but it might be really interesting since you're doing this anyway to do some short little videos on, Hey, this is what happened. And this is what I'm tuning to try to tune it out, to put out there for other people who are using the spectrum system and maybe trying to figure out how to make it better. Yeah. Cause you're do already doing it anyway. Yeah. I was a little hesitant to turn it into too much of a tutorial series on like, this is how you set it up and this is how you do this. No, but you could do tuning no. for people who already have it flying. They're like, maybe you're having something happen. Like you're talking about how do you get, how do you get past that? I see a lot of people switch from like B stacks and when they're used for years and they just hang on to them because it's just, you got a manual there and you do light setup and like you can go spectrum route where you just you, everything's on the screen and it's quick and easy. And sometimes I recommend brain two just because brain two has the side on the wizard, you know, like some of them don't have, or some do, you just depend on if you're looking for it, you can go through the wizard. And even if you don't understand those four or five, six steps they have on the screen, where you can click through them. You can go to the wizard and it will actually describe each setting and, and what channels to do to switch to for what transmitter you're using. Everything's there. You just have to read yeah, you it just hover like your you mouse would on the, over the thing and it tells you how, here's what this slider does. Yeah, the left side of the brain too on like a laptop, you can read everything, what you're doing in your setup. It's the same as using like if you're going from a B-Stex or something older, but you actually, you just got to read step by step and do them one at a time. And by the end, you will have a perfectly set up helicopter if you follow, you know, their step-by-step instructions. It's a good jump from like a paper manual, old school style, you know, lights and clicking buttons set up. One thing that I was actually tempted to do to help kind of have people keep track of this and, and rank everything against each other was any of you guys watch Top Gear by chance? Of course. Yes. You, you remember yes. the, the leaderboard for the, the test track? Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to do that for each of the criteria. So each fly barless system and each radio platform will be placed above or below whatever one I feel they're either better than or not better than as far as mm, yeah, that's cool. in that category. Yeah. And you'll see maybe a certain system stays closer to the top versus some or closer to the bottom. I forget you that forgot the white helmet there. though to be the Stig. Yeah, you would need to. <laughs> I, I do own that whole outfit. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I am a Facts. not so ex You show up at our CHO like that. <laughs> oh man, I used to show up the at Stig. At, uh, oh, runway events so we'd shut down runways and race cars on them and stuff and i wear that outfit long long story from a previous life that's good <laughs> it could be the so, current life at rcho could be are you, are you planning to try the new jr setup when it's out i want to um i <laughs> because all of this is out of pocket and none of it's sponsored yeah. I can't yeah. afford that radio platform. I, I oh, really I want it's the JR system to expensive. be awesome, and I hope that they come out with an affordable radio platform yeah. for I, it to work with. I've I've heard rumors, and I don't want to put any stock in them, but that that they they're aware of that, and they want to consider releasing a more affordable price point, something closer to maybe V control pricing. I've heard the same thing, which I believe would be awesome if they can bring the price down a little bit, and they change the antenna. That antenna is a huge thing for me it's like the old school spectrum foldy antenna that breaks stick something on there that i can't break and then i think that platform would be pretty cool i'm hoping maybe that they might see a couple of these videos and either offer to lend me one 
or maybe sell me one a little cheaper or something. I don't know, but I'd love to try one. I just, I can't, I don't have $3,000 left. Well, we'll see what happens after, uh, rotor live, right? The lower one will have the AGO one gimbals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. At the very least, we need to get you to drive out to Alabama and hang out with Nick for a weekend and, uh, and pile a bunch of flights in. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, I just want to see what it's like as far as integration setup. Um, I'm sure it flies good. If Nick, you know, puts his name on it, it probably flies phenomenal. So it's not going to be a concern, but I just want to see how simple things are. I mean, people want easy these days. They want fast. He claims it's pretty integrated. That's the Trinity unit. I guess it's called. Yeah, it's called Trinity. The Holy Trinity. I'm excited to see how easy. (laughs) I feel like the Trinity thing is a play off the Neo from the matrix. They have the Neo, you have Neo and Trinity. I think of Trinity bomb site, like the atomic bomb testing. I can't believe I never thought of that. I think it's the Trinity between the X bus servos, the flight controller and the radio. <laughs> I, I just know. hear that meme where the guy's like, "I'm the Holy Trinity." <laughs> I hear Tom Shin saying that. <laughs> so, what about uh, what about the Icon? Any plans to do that? I know that's got integration with the FR Sky unit. Yeah, I got that. The Brain Two. It's the, the Brain Two. I don't yeah, know if you know. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Those are actually I, the same thing. Absolutely, yeah, I, they're rebranded. They're in a new case and thing. Same software. The Icon runs on MSH software, so it's just private labeled i I think don't don't kill me i don't think there's an icon anymore is there yeah there's icon oh i didn't know that wasn't it heli direct that did icon i thought there's yeah yeah we still saw it but that's still a brain too it's the same thing and you do have like if you want the apps you can run your apps off your phone bluetooth and it's a brain two app i forgot about that yeah yeah I was tempted to try that, but the integration apparently is pretty good with two different systems. So the Jetty has that decent integration, and so does the FR Sky X20S. How much was the Jetty radio? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot more than the FR Sky. Purposefully asking that because we're already talking about how how expensive the JR radio is. Yeah. It's expensive. So the Jetty's still cheaper, even though I got a really nice one. But, um, I had bought the, what is it? The DS12, which is their entry level. I think that's what I have. It was like 600 bucks or something. Yeah. And I took it out of the box and I'm not going to lie. I was immediately disappointed. It's not, it's not bad. It's still, it's just okay. It feels like a regular radio. And I'm like, man, I thought Jetty was like amazing, right? That's what I thought when I got it. I went, what is this thing that people go on and on about? And then I realized, oh, I just bought the cheap one. Did you get the plastic gimbals or the, the aluminum gimbals? Uh, I think well, I don't remember. I haven't messed with. It. I, haven't, I haven't even held it in my hands in over a year. So is your it's face in the closet. carbon fiber or plastic? Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Never mind. So <laughs> I think I it's plastic. The plastic gimbal one first, right? And yeah. the, the, it's just it doesn't feel like I wanted it to, which is fine. Whatever. I just wanted to test it. But when I started thumbing through the program, dude, the the Jetty radio is by far the fastest radio I have ever used in my life. Scrolling, uh, scrolling oh, it through does those work menus instantly. Yeah, it's a ripper. You click a button, immediately change the screen, and that alone has me incredibly excited. So much so that I went and dropped eighteen hundred dollars on the the new one, the X the DS sixteen G two, the color screen one. Is, um, the, is the JR one over twenty one hundred dollars? Is it a three thousand dollars? Yeah, radio? it is it's like twenty seven hundred dollars. It's a lot. <sighs> a lot to stomach. It's like thirty two MZ price, right? I wonder what'll come out. I wonder if they're going to announce this at Rotor Live and they're just keeping it quiet until then. 
Yeah, I hope so. It makes sense. I mean, it's it's just too much. It's going to price people out of that platform. Like, I I think be t- under two grand is a good spot for like a premium flagship radio. Because I think the V-Bar is 1600 for the special colors, right? 14 for a regular. Mm-hmm. And then the Jetty, 16. If you don't go nuts and get the Carbon Line one, I think it's like, uh, what, 18, 19, somewhere around there. Okay. So, Which is still, well, that's a lot of money to invest in a radio yeah. platform. Yeah. Yeah, mine for was 18, I think, for the Carbon Line. That's a lot. But you don't have to go that route. So because I want to make keep you know the regular price thing in in, in range, I bought a third Jetty radio. <laughs> I got the DS twelve. Uh, they do a special edition one. It's not like it's limited production or anything, but it's got the carbon faceplate. It's got the aluminum gimbals, and you know it's a little bit beefier, right? And I believe its price point was right at a thousand bucks. And I was like, okay, that's, that's in the ballpark of what normal people want to spend. So I personally bought the 16 because I have a hunch that this unit's going to probably, or at least the radio is going to be the one I end up with. It could be with a different fly barless unit because I can run Futaba, MSH, or Spirit on this thing. Um, so I'm probably going to end up that route. So I invested in the radio, but I wanted to have a review based on what someone wants to spend that's not insane. You know, you could also put a receiver on a V-bar and fly it off the radio if you wanted or to. Or the JR unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or the JR I gonna, unit. Yeah. I, just, I was going to mention something about the MSH, uh, the brain. Um, so with your the Spectrum transmitter, you can actually do um, integration two ways if you wanted to test that also because you can put the app directly on the iX14 transmitter and just connect directly to it with Bluetooth and do mm-hmm. setup and tuning. Oh, that's yeah, cool. the Jetty also cool integration though. Yeah, well, you also have it on Spectrum too. All you do is push down and left on, you know, and down and right on both your sticks, and it brings up the full integration also on Spectrum. So you can bring that. up the menus and tune it right on the ground and take back off too. So there's so, so many options. different ways. With and, I didn't know there was options originally. That's what sparked all of this when I started reading about all these radio platforms that integrate with other flybarla systems. It's way better than it was five years ago. I used to just use the Bluetooth all the time on the brain, but lately I've been doing that where I'll land and just push the sticks down and you can flip through with your transmitter sticks to up and down on the menus and then left and right to select your gains and everything. Just do them and take right back off again. Yeah. But I think we're still struggling to get those, right? It's There's still a Bluetooth chip shortage. It looks like uh, the non-Bluetooths are back in stock everywhere. Yeah, but the, but yeah, I don't know what they're doing with the Bluetooth ones. thing. Yeah, the Bluetooths are, who knows when we'll see those again. You can make those little separate adapters with a Creus unit if you wanted to or something, but otherwise you're kind of stuck with plugging in or integration. So through all of your testings, have you managed to keep both of your dynamics out of the sink? Somehow. I almost it's nuked good. it last weekend. Um, <laughs> explanation, please. Yeah, I was uh, testing out the out-of-the-box tune on a certain system. And I did this, I don't know, it's probably too low, but I was at eye level and I did a really fast half Puro to inverted nose forward flight at about eye level. And that porpoised like really bad. It came within like a foot of the ground. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) kept on going. Everything was good, but holy shit, that was close. Yikes. Yeah. Maybe don't push the stock tune as hard as you can. You can rate underwear units uh, while you're flying yeah. different fiberless units. Yeah. <laughs> this was a three pair of underwear unit. Yeah. <laughs> so are that you going to include brownout? Are you going to include how the V bar flies in your comparison yes. of 
Okay. I mean, on paper, the V bar is probably going to, on everything, the V bar is probably going to win. Like, it's the most integrated. It flies the best out of the box. And it's probably the easiest user interface out of everything. But the whole point is like, I want to get away from that and see what else is there. So a ton of people were like, oh, I hope you review the V bar. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to. And I'll tell you how it is. I've flown it for, you know, seven or eight years. It's a really good unit, but not everyone wants to run the same unit. So no, we're agree. looking at other options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a, this is a no win situation, right? You're going to get, you know, messages from people who are fanboys of all kinds of different systems or radios telling you, yeah. you didn't try this combination or you're wrong or whatever. So I don't know. I applaud yeah. you for sticking your head out and just <laughs> haven't at it. Cause you, you just comparing these kinds of things, you just can't make everybody happy. It's impossible. Yeah, but I do think it's valuable. Again, wasn't this isn't like for my own benefit? I don't want to gain anything from this. I was literally just doing my own experiment for myself because I wanted to change platforms and learn. And enough people showed interest to want to see what what it was like. Because I guess no one has done this many platforms on this on like back to back similar helicopters. Like you know, Telerotor did it. And they passed the same heli around with everybody, but there was so much time in between. It was hard to like say, well, I think this one flew better than that one and vice versa, where I can literally sit one down and go pick up another one and go fly it and get an immediate seat of the pants feel, you know, same day, same weather, same temperature, everything. So enough people had this interest. I was like, all right, I don't want to type all this because I'm a little bit lazy. Let me just make a video. And in true Scott Graham fashion, it went from being a simple video to let me paint my garage and turn it into a yeah, studio. Yeah, hilarious. Trying to make make it decent because, like, I don't know. I just felt like I can do better, so I just kept trying to do better. And it's not great. It still needs work, but by the end no, of this, I think I'll have a pretty decent setup. I hope. And and that's how the whole content creation journey goes: is you start simple and you learn things along the way and you update things or budget changes and you add things and you know, you just figure it out as you go. So I don't know. I applaud you I for doing tell this. Myself I think it's great. So many times starting off, I was like, look, it's never going to be perfect. The first time you're, you, you have to start somewhere. So just do it. It's going to maybe have issues. It's going to have mistakes, but if you don't post the first one, you'll never have a spot to start happen. to make the next one better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and you'll see, you know, a year from now, you'll go back and watch your first video and cringe, but you'll be really happy with where you where you ended up. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Me included, and I'll be the first to tell you I do that often. Yeah. You just get better over time. Yeah, but well, I hope I'm people like it. I mean, it. I don't have a, a dog in the fight, per se. I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. But you definitely no have one... a dog in the fight. You have money in the fight. So you, you want, yeah, you want the best money in Jetty platform. Radio to be great. You know, I got money in every platform. So it's not like I'm biased to one side or whatever. I just, I want to see what one works the best for me. And I just, I'm bringing along my friends along the ride. That's kind of the way I look. Yeah. Well, I'm well, a big fan. I think it's going to be, it. it's a great idea. Yeah. We need more kind of comparisons or just in, informational pieces like this, where you can make informed purchasing decisions, basing on, you know, learning, learning a little bit about all of them. Yeah. And who knows, like if it goes well and no one wants to kill me for my opinions and <laughs> bad videos i'll try other things i mean we can start comparing airframes or batteries or whatever and see direct back-to-back -back comparisons on things who knows yeah i think or the i'll funniest, get tired and the, i'll just do radios and delete the channel the, the, like the funniest <laughs> easiest one i ever set up i had the kds agile those they came with their own fly unit 
Yeah. And you literally just plug the programmer in and it's like setting up an ESC with the programmer. You go through like a two minute steps, you know, what's which cyclic, uh, you know, layout you have. And then this and that, like it takes five minutes and you can have the helicopter flying. It was kind of genius easy, but it was not didn't have all the fine tuning stuff. But I mean, it was like the easiest in the world. Hmm. That's kind of cool. You could throw them on something and put a tuning like the little adjustment thing on there and be flying in, in literally like five minutes. Yeah. I want it to fly at least as good as VR though. Like everybody knows VBAR flies a certain way. Yes, we know Futaba's hard to set up, but Futaba can fly just Futaba that much flies better. really good. Yeah. So I want it to at least hit VBAR standards of performance and not doing anything weird. So that's my baseline. If something flies Futaba good, you'll hear me go nuts. Because that's that's kind of the bar right now. I don't. I've never flown anything that flies better than a 760R. Any plans then to look at you know ESC comparisons or other electronics or anything down the road? Yeah, maybe maybe down the road, um, we can see how things integrate, how easy or hard they are to set up. I really want to try one of those new Scorpion ESCs. I'm also really interested figured in that. We'll see how the radio thing goes and the fly barless thing goes. If people like it and they want more content once this project is done. Maybe I'll fire it up for ESCs, but um, I will need a little bit of time to financially recover for my <laughs> poor, poor choices. Well, you're going to at least sell sure. some of the stuff yeah. that you didn't like, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know if a lot of it'll sell, but you know, I, I, we'll see what happens. But I've, I'm sure I'm going to lose a couple thousand dollars probably at the end of this probably. thing. I but can't that's tell to you be said with any just, any hobby, not just this one. Yeah, you're I'm looking at the parts, gear. going, "This does not look like how much money is missing in my account." Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for testing new gear. That's exciting. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it is. We need more folks to do comparisons like this. Uh, but one final question for you, Scott, uh, on this: uh, when uh, when are you going back to V control? Oh god. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If I've started a new poll, it's in the hangout now. Uh, oh no. <laughs> it's not if it's when will scott buy another v control yeah maybe <laughs> i'll eat my words i don't know but as of this moment i have a replacement that will keep me away from it so There's i've already not really, found not really a, a solution but oh, there may really? still be a better one down the road and i'll mention that in the next video i release after rcho but i have found a combo that does everything i want well enough to the point that i don't think I would go back. Nice. And you're really happy with that radio, you sounds like. So yeah, the Jetty radio is like on another level. It has the hall sensors also, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've got they even have ones with vibration. And one of the coolest things, not to like segue, but I'll talk about this in the video. When you buddy box with this system, it allows you to actually give nudges to the, the student. So you what? can give them small corrective input to help them no without way. fully taking over. Oh, that's like cool. what, <laughs> dude? That's game changing for teaching. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Because I'm always just taking over and saying, "Oh, sorry, I'm recentering it for you," and now you can start over. Yeah, reset. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if they start getting the tail a little off to the side, and you can see they're struggling, but they're still making it, you can be like, "Oh, let me just true that up straight again." They may not even notice, right? They may not, but it gives them the confidence to keep trying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Without that, because it is abrupt when you you buddy bonk someone and the control goes away. It's that little heart stopping moment of, oh, my God, it's doing something. I'm not telling it. Is it going to crash? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. I'm not going to go into more details, but that that made me smile a little bit. I was like, oh, I I like this. That's legit. That's super cool. So before we uh, head into the wrap up here, what's the best way for people to find your YouTube channel? Where should they go? Yeah, how Definitely do you find Google this on this YouTube? That. You're going to get some car videos. You're going to get oh. some music videos. I wonder um, if, this, if you YouTube this versus that Spectrum. Yeah, Spectrum. I made I made a Facebook page. I made an Instagram. Um, and it's probably going to be posted on the Hangout whenever I release a video. But that's probably the easiest way to find it. If, if you, you go YouTube on YouTube and search this versus that VS, this VS, that Spectrum, S-P-E-K-T-R-U-M, your video shows up. I'm hoping when I release more, more will show up too. We'll be sure and put a link in the show notes. We'll put one on our Facebook page as well to help you all find it. All right. With that, I think we're going to start wrapping things up here unless anyone has anything else. Kenny? Yeah, just uh, one more no, thing. I think we got all the <laughs> megabytes of Scott Grimm this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on to you now, All the Kenny. MBPS. Uh, all the MBPS? Yeah, he came through loud and clear this time. Oh, oh, yeah, we oh. can hear him. Yeah. All the megabytes oh, per second. Oh, megabytes yeah. per second. MBPS. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the, the listeners have no idea, but the last time we had Scott on the show, we had some internet challenges, and we actually couldn't hear about half of what Scott was saying. We could tell he was talking, and we knew it was safely being recorded, but we all just kept our mouths shut, and miraculously, the episode came out. But, uh, I don't it know. It turned out pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it's a little behind yeah. the scenes uh, fact there we can release now that we survived that episode, but, but a lot of technical challenges <laughs> that, that first time. Yeah, I went and redid my whole good. home network. I threw those routers in the trash. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cool. Well, right. Scott, if folks have questions for you and they want to hit you up, what's the best way for them to, uh, to find you if they've got flybarless or radio or integration questions on, on the stuff you're covering? Yeah, uh, you can shoot me a message on Facebook. It's an easy way. Just look up Scott Graham or look up this versus that. Or if you are on the YouTube videos, I try and make a point to answer all the comments that show up down there. So I turned on YouTube notifications. So drop a comment. I'll reply. I think I've replied to everyone on there. Speaking of questions, uh, if you have any listener questions for us on the show, you can hit us up at questions at rotorevolution.live via email or on our Facebook page. You can just message us directly at Roto Revolution RC Podcast. Speaking of emails, we haven't covered those on the show every week. Uh, I don't know. It's always something that was felt like a lot to me to do regularly, but it's been a minute. Uh, so let's hit that in, in brief here. Uh, so if you want to hit Brian, you can hit him up at brian at rotorevolution.live or on Facebook Messenger under Brian Birdsong, B-Y-R-D-S-O-N-G. Uh, you can hit me at Nick Wisdom RC on Facebook or at Nick at rotorevolution.live. Uh, Alex, what about you if folks want to get a hold of you? I mean, the best thing to do is still Facebook messaging for me. Uh, but yeah, you can hit me up at Alex at rotorevolution.live. And uh, Kenny, how about you? Same for me. Facebook Messenger is probably the best or Kenny at RotorRevolution.live. Awesome. All right. I think the, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Rotor Revolution. Once again, thanks uh, to everyone that voted for us in that little Facebook poll. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We definitely greatly appreciate it. All right. With that, uh, this is episode nine, a little visit with Scott Graham and this versus that. And uh, we're out of here. See you all later. Goodbye. Oh, Kenny, one more thing. Oh, <laughs>
One more. <laughs> <laughs>